Yo, what is up, everybody? We are back, and it is time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, we got episode 24 coming at you, and it's titled Coming to the Sip, because we got Oklahoma's own but Ole Miss national champion baseball star Garrett Wood joining us. It's going to be an awesome show, and I want to get right to it. So, guys, help me welcome on to the show for the biggest interview on podcasting this week, Ole Miss baseball sensation Garrett Wood. All right, Garrett, my man, welcome to the show. How are we doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. We love having baseball players. We definitely love having national champions on. But, you know, let's let's break the ice a little bit. And, you know, I want to talk to you about I was uh, watching the fall ball games last year, and I happened to meet your brother. And when we were talking the whole time and and first, you know, it was it was like 30 degrees. I really didn't want anything to drink as it was because I was freezing. <laughs> and I understand that y'all have the showers and Swayze and everything, but Natty Light is what he had. And let me tell you, Garrett, Natty Light is just something, you know, that, that's 20 years ago for us. I don't do Natty Light. He insisted. And then the friends that were with him told, told me I couldn't turn down the drink. So I had one. But my question for you in bringing this up is, now that you're a national champion, has your brother moved past Natty Light? Have we upgraded? There, There is no way he has upgraded from Natty Light. Uh, he still tries to live like he's in his college days. I have a younger brother uh, also. Uh, they try to be alike uh, and act the same uh, and drink the same stuff. So, no, I don't know if he'll ever grow up and, uh, you know, grow into like a grown man drink or something like that. Oh, Natty's a grown man drink. <laughs> yeah, <I think> so. <laughs> you got to be a real, real man to, to hit that. Yeah. Uh, He's on a teacher's salary and all that stuff, so maybe he's just trying to play it smart. I don't know, but we need to but, do something about it. But I will tell you this. He uh, he hyped you up the whole time. He kept telling me that you were going to make an impact on this team. Just wait. And, uh, you know, he talked to me through the whole game and just, uh, you know, about your career. And then, you know, I found out a lot about your story before, you know, you know, well before we asked you on here. But with that, man, how does it feel to have the support of a brother – who just has the utmost confidence in you that just, you know, tells me at the time it's a stranger, just wait, wait to see what my brother does on this field. Yeah. You know, I have, uh, I have mixed emotions about that. Uh, I like that he's talking about me, but I don't like that he's talking so much good about me, you know, mm -hmm. like I'd rather him not say anything than that. Uh, Cause I wouldn't do that. Um, but it is awesome. You know, he, he grew up, obviously we both grew up in a baseball family. Um, he played junior college baseball, um, dealt with some arm problems and stuff, but he was able to help me through the process. You know, I learned a lot from him through baseball and going the junior college route and all that good stuff. Um, so it's awesome to have him. Um, and I appreciate his confidence. Uh, but maybe, maybe he can keep it on the down low next time or something. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're a national champion, so we're going to get to that. Randy will get that a little bit, but apparently he knew what he was talking about, but you know, where are you boys from? Uh, we're from Claremore, Oklahoma. It's about, 25 minutes northeast of Tulsa. I got you. And so, you know, you was talking about you had a little brother, too. Uh, family Dynamics is just the three of y'all. Uh, three. Yeah, that's my three 
full brothers. Um, my parents were divorced when I was 10 years old. Um, so I got some step siblings now, um, but it started with just us three. I got you. And so, you know, you talk about a baseball family, just how competitive was it in that household growing up? I mean, it was awesome. My dad, uh, my dad's a baseball coach still to this day. Um, so we just came up in baseball and, you know, basketball, football, uh, but my older brother is only four years older than me. My younger brother's two year difference. Uh, so we were close enough to the same age where we could have some fun together, pick on each other a little bit. Um, I had to be careful with who I chose to pick on, uh, but no, it was a good time. Uh, super competitive, uh, a really fun household to grow up in. So you seem like a really humble guy, but I'm going to need you to be open and honest. You know, you said your dad coached, which means he yeah. probably played your brothers played. If I was to ask you, you know, who's the best baseball player in the family is, is who is it? I would have to say myself. Uh, it's hard to say because my dad, believe it or not, uh, he played college soccer instead of college baseball, which is kind of crazy. Um, and my, my older brother was a pitcher and then he got hurt. So it is hard to hard to say, uh, but I would have to go with that. So with your dad being a soccer player, um, was was soccer something you played growing up? Did you play any other sports other than baseball? Yeah, I played just baseball and basketball. Uh, I tried football one year and that didn't work out very well. Uh, I'm not sure if I can play high school football at the size I am right now. So it was, uh, I was definitely at an unfair advantage when I was younger. Um, I, I was thinking about hitting you with that joke, but I, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that to him. I was going to say I'm that your size isn't, isn't made for football. No, never, never will be. So, you know, playing baseball in Oklahoma, you know, we're familiar with how it is here in the South. Uh, travel ball is such a big deal. Is it the same way in Oklahoma? Uh, I would say it's trying to get to that point, but I don't think it's as big as it is big of a deal as it is down here. Um, I didn't know much about it down here. I, I never did perfect game or anything like that, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I also played for DBAT Dallas growing up in the summer. So I would live in Texas for the summer, uh, lived with the host family um, and played summer ball there. There was some good competition in the Oklahoma area, but it just wasn't as serious as it was down in Texas. So I had that opportunity and tried to run with that. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, we don't get too many guests that are from Oklahoma. So with that, man, you know, who was your favorite athlete growing up? And it may have not even been somebody from that area, but, you know, just curious being a guy from Oklahoma. I think someone I looked up to a lot, um, and it's more personal than anything, was Dylan Bundy. Uh, he's a right-handed pitcher in the big leagues now, played for the Orioles, um, plays for the Angels now, I believe. Um, but my dad had the pleasure of coaching him. Um, and I got to you know, be by his side and listen to him and work out with him. Um, him and Pete Cosma, who's also was a big leaguer at one point, um, still trying to play. Um, those two guys really, I think, were, you know, the most impactful um, and I looked up to the most. Yeah. And so with that, you know, got your favorite, you know, or most impactful athletes that uh, influenced you growing up. I got to know, what was your baseball movie? Like, what was your favorite baseball movie growing up? Probably for the love of the game. Uh, I honestly don't watch base. I don't watch movies that much at all. Honestly, like uh, I'm not a fan at all. But that one's probably my favorite. That's, a, that's an interesting one, being that you're not a pitcher. You know, I'm so I'm actually surprised with that answer. I think I wish I could be a pitcher. Just can't throw hard enough, right? Don't yeah. we all? It'd be more fun. <clears throat> da Daniel is the pitcher on the show. Me and Randy, we ain't got nothing to do with that. Yeah, go out on Friday nights, pitch, win, and then just hang out till next Friday. I mean, you can't beat that. No, they do have it made. That's the life. Yeah. That is the life. Now, if you do struggle, you got to sleep on it for a week. So that's the tough part. That's the nice thing about being a hitter. But other than that, it would be fun. So another interesting question I got being that you're from Oklahoma, 
being as, you know, once again, Randy will get to this later, but being as who you had to face in the national championship, um, you know, did you grow up a Sooners fan? I grew up an Oklahoma State fan. So my mom Uh, went to school there. A lot of my family went to school there. Um, So I wasn't an OU fan. My dad and brothers are big OU fans. Um, I'm a man. Yeah, yeah. You saw the fist, you saw the fist pump from both the guys. We we absolutely oh. love being out here. Who doesn't? Let's go. That's awesome. What about uh? I gotta ask this because uh, I'm a diehard Russell Westbrook fan. Uh, so Oklahoma City was my team for yeah, years. Did you don't did you like that. did you like OKC? Uh, I went to a couple games. Uh, I'm not. I'm he not said no. Basketball, but not really. Like uh, I'm a Golden State Warriors fan. Oh, oh God. the episode's over. Right, guys. Right. Well, this has been nice. See, you would have been better off actually just saying OKC because they're both Grizzlies fans, and there's some beef right now, obviously, Uh-oh. with the Warriors from last year. So you would have been better off just saying yeah. OKC, but you had to say Warriors and really rock the boat. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's not. A, I'm not a true fan, so it doesn't count. <laughs> I don't, they don't have true None fans. None of them are. <laughs> But I mean, I think you know, being that you're a basketball player, I actually figured you'd probably be more into it. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it, um, but never, you know, cared enough to have a favorite team or you know sell out to one team or, or another. Sell out, mm. what a team to 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 be a part of because I feel like every fan is a sellout for those dudes. But <laughs> they cold though, no doubt hey, about that. You know what? I'm gonna chalk it up to this, Garrett. You're a young dude, and everybody makes mistakes. You know, yeah. and there's there's still time to to turn that choice around. Yeah, I can. I'm open. So, so the, the the Grizzlies have plenty have of room. Head down, yeah, head down so, to Memphis and check out a hey, game. You should, man. Around. You won't you won't be disappointed. Mm-hmm. You you might see a once in a lifetime player. On yeah. the- I'm gonna need you. I'm gonna need you to head up though, because you're in Oxford, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you come up here to a Grizz game, man. Let's meet up. No natty light though. I'm not man enough for that, but I got you though. All right, let's do it. All right. So Garrett, man, you you mentioned going to Texas to play travel ball. I'm assuming you didn't make that trip for high school ball. Um, so talk to me a little bit about Oklahoma and the high school that you went to. Yeah, I went to uh, Claremore High School, which is a 5A school, um, about 300 people in a class. Um, high school baseball was pretty solid, honestly. Uh, there was a pretty big difference between 5A and 6A. Um, didn't have the opportunity to play in 6A. Um, but we had some good competition. Um, I was fortunate to have some really good high school coaches. Uh, my brother actually got to coach me one year in high school, which was awesome. Um, I think the hardest part was having to play against my father. So he was a high school coach, still is, like I said, um, and coached for another school in the district. So we always had to play each other every year. Uh, so that was fun and sucked at the same time. But um, high school ball in Oklahoma was solid, and uh, it was a good experience for sure. Did you play any other sports, basketball? I played basketball in high school my freshman year and senior year. That's it. All right. So let me ask you this. Obviously, you know, we, we have guys on here that play multiple sports all the time. And for some reason, all the baseball guys that come on here say they're hoopers. Yeah. Can you still, can you still hoop a little bit? Uh, until I had labrum surgery, I would say I was a decent hooper. And now I can't shoot to save my life. So, no. But I still enjoy it. We still go play sometimes up here, which – we probably shouldn't do, uh, but we do sometimes go to the rec center up here and play some pickup for a little bit. Coach go. Bianca, don't go. listen to this podcast, and if you do, skip past that part. Yeah, yep. this was not in it. Oh, you know no, what? Since, since we talk know. about Coach B and we talking about extracurriculars, this wasn't on the uh, the script. I got to know this ahead of time before we get to Ole Miss. Are you a study hall guy, Garrett? I'm not. 
<laughs> we are proud to hear it. Yeah, I'm not. This is uh, the uh, the official delay the podcast for study hall. That's that's what we do around here. I can't like, tell you how many times. We, yeah, I can't tell you how many times we we've had guys from from you know your team that would text Jim. Oh man, I need like ten minutes. I got to finish up study hall. Hey, that doesn't surprise me at all. We got too many guys in study hall. Yeah, but hey. I guess it, it it pays off because on the field you're doing big things out there. So hey, I guess coach will probably take that. I mean, yeah. you may not be happy about it, but if the end result is a national championship, I think he'll sleep just fine every night. <laughs> probably so. So you are a four-year letter winner at Claremore under Coach Jim Sherrill. You batted your junior year 375, 43 runs, 34 RBIs, 12 stolen bases. That was just as a junior. And you followed it up your senior year with a 376 batting average, 39 runs, 23 RBIs, seven stolen bases, five, you know, you know, you were five A four four all district selection. Like there's a lot of like accolades and a lot of stats, man. That's amazing. Do you ever think, you know, what what it was like then in comparison to now? Like, did you think that you would be on a tra- trajectory? then to be where you're at now uh to start i didn't even know the, my high school stats uh so that's actually kind of crazy i did not know what the, i knew the general ballpark but i did not know them in depth like that so that was that was cool to hear your brother um, did yeah, yeah of course yeah that's where i got it from if you think i got these from anywhere other than your brother you're wrong he sent you to him he texted you my stats huh <laughs> <laughs> no uh you know i think it was different um there's such a big difference between high school and this level and even the gap between high school and junior college is, you know, insanely different. And the jump from junior college to the SEC is a huge jump. Um, so at the time, you know, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. Um, I wasn't heavily recruited out of high school, pretty undersized. Um, so I thought I had, you know, decent years and good numbers, um, but not a whole lot came up at the time. So just kept working and kept my head down and just try to run with any opportunity I was given. So when you reflect back, I mean, you were able to go to back-to-back regional titles. You have made an appearance in the state title game in 2017. Of those two seasons, your junior year and your senior year, which is your your favorite? Uh, my junior year, for sure. Uh, we did, we lost in a state championship game, um, but that was a fun run. We had a really good group of guys. Um, came back in the state tournament first round, down by two going into the last inning, I believe. Came back and walked them off. Um, won a one hit ball game in the semifinals uh we had one hit all game we just i mean we got dominated all game just fell in at the right time um and then got beat up pretty good um in the championship game but that that year was by far the best run and the so most <clears throat> was that your favorite moment that walk-off win in, in your high school career or did that come later maybe the next year uh, that was probably the best moment, uh, especially against a team that uh, we've had some, you know, uh, I don't know what the right word to use is, uh, some tough battles against some teams, we, a team we don't really like or care for, uh, me specifically and my family. Um, so that was, a, that was a fun way to, you know, send them home. That's what he was really trying to do. Yeah. He was trying to be very polite about how much he disliked that team. Yeah, I don't like them. Hey. Don't. <laughs> it's all good, man. So. Obviously, you know, when you have a run like that, you have the stats that you have, the the next 
transition is obviously colleges. So right. at what point do colleges start reaching out to you and start getting, you know, your interest in them? Right. I feel like uh, it's a little different now, or at least seems different. We got so many guys committing at 14 years old and freshmen in high school and we're offering eighth graders here at Ole Miss and it's crazy. Um, mine didn't really happen to my senior year of high school, really a little bit, my junior year, um, a little bit of interest. And then it picked up my senior year a lot, um, but not a lot. And, you know, Hey, SEC schools are reaching out or big 12 schools are reaching out more of the junior college, small division one schools were reaching out um, and mainly in the spring of my senior year. So obviously you choose Johnson County. What, what was it about them that made you choose to go that route? Uh, I, was, I was choosing between Johnson County and Crowder College, uh, which is where my brother went to school. So he had a good relationship there with, you know, their coach and went through all of that. Um, and obviously they're a really good program. Um, but I visited Johnson County. The facilities they have there in Overland Park are very nice for a junior college. Um, of course, it is still the junior college route, um, but it's way more, you know, advanced than other places. You know, you're in a big city, 20, 25 minutes from Kansas City, um, off-campus living in apartments, full turf field, full indoor, full locker room, um, insanely nice. So it was, I was, you know, I didn't want to pass up on an opportunity like that um, to get that experience. Um, and they're really good at sending guys off to the next level. So, so that's a pretty legit setup they, they have there, man. That's, that's unbelievable. But, you know, obviously you're, you served as team captain under Kent Shelley. You were NJCAA second team All-American. You hit 322 as a freshman. You had seven doubles, three triples, a bomb, four runs scored, 26 RBIs. Um, and then the following year, which was a shortened season, um, you hit 339 in just 23 games, man. You had five doubles, 22 runs scored. I mean, the, the list of accolades goes on and on. I mean, no errors, 37, you know, opportunities to field the ball. You know, just those stats alone, man, you would think that, all right, you're doing big things. You're going to move to the next level. But obviously, you know, at what point in that do you go, all right, my level of where I can go is top tier division one or it's mid-level division one or it's not that at all at what right. point do you start saying i need to narrow these choices into this category right i think uh once you get to junior college obviously your goal is you know either to get drafted or you know go to the sec or go to a power five conference um but that's hard and you know it was a hard decision for me to make uh, after my freshman year i started getting some calls um from some division mid-major schools um, but never really wanted to settle, um, wanted to shoot for, you know, what's best and, the you know, a power five school, but also a good fit at the same time. So our, our coaches there at Johnson County were really good about helping you get in contact with schools that you were interested in. They would shoot spam emails, which is probably annoying to a lot of colleges, uh, power five schools getting emails from them all the time. Um, but it would truly help me and other guys on our team get, you know, interest from other schools. Uh, I, I thought I was going to be a mid-major guy, to be honest, at the time. Uh, after my freshman year, I thought that was probably going to be the best fit for me. Um, and I started getting a couple, you know, bigger school looks and realized maybe this is an opportunity, but I want to be careful with what I choose, you know, to do with my next couple of years. Um, so it was hard to decide at the time, but once some big schools started coming in, I felt like, you know, it was meant to be and uh, I was going to try to run with the opportunity. So when you, you know, when you're finishing up that junior, junior college season, 
what do you think you know you gained from your experience at the JUCO level and you know prior to going to JUCO you could have went to you know division one you could have went to you know mid-major um, but you chose JUCO do you feel like after that opportunity was over it was the right choice yeah 100 percent. at the time I wasn't sure and I think it's like a lot of high schoolers, you know, uh, my first offer was from Stephen F. Austin, which is a mid-major in Nacogdoches, Texas. Um, and a lot of people want to hop on that, you know, that first offer. I got offered, you know, 25% and thought it was so cool. But really, as, you know, at the end of the day, it's not worth it to, to do that, in my opinion. Now, it works out for some people, um, but a lot of people are caught up in the, they want people to see where they're going. You know, they want to be that high school guy that's committed early, that's committed to a Division One school. Um, and it takes a lot of courage and pride to be that guy that says, you know, like, I'm not going to fall into that trap. And I think that having my family helped me with that a lot made me realize, you know, wait around, go the junior college route. My brother experienced it, how beneficial it was. Um, and then getting to junior college, I think it just develops you a lot, not only as a player, but as a person. Uh, you know, it takes you away from home, gets you living on your own. I was three and a half hours away from home, which was close enough where if I needed to go home, I could, but far enough to where. You know, I had my own space. I didn't have to worry about anything. Um, and then just the lessons, you know, dealing with school, dealing with baseball, conditioning, everything that comes with it at the junior college level. Um, I think that all helped me a lot. Um, helped me become a better player, uh, a better person. And I think is one of the biggest reasons I'm here today, for sure. So one of the one of the questions that that we find, you know, the most fascinating is when we get, you know, to this point in your story is at, at what point does Ole Miss reach out to you? Who and, and who is it that's reaching out? Are you talking to them or are they coming and pursuing you? Right. Uh, so I went in and met with our junior college, my assistant junior college coach, David Canary at the time. Um, and he wants you to, you know, make a list of schools that you're interested in, that you want to go to, stuff like that. And uh, I ended up reaching out to Ole Miss. Uh, I didn't know much about them, but you know, thought I was a cool school, saw them on the season online, all that stuff. They're, you know, they're, they're pretty good at social media exposure. Um, so I think that caught my attention. Um, so I, you know, sent them an email and ended up getting a reply and sending some video over and uh, somehow it worked from there. I don't know. He he followed the Peyton Chatagnier TikTok trail. I see it. I know. He's my roommate now too. I got to deal with that all the time. <laughs> he, he is, he is TikTok famous. So Obviously, you know, however you get there, you reach out, it, it all works out. And then, so now let's fast forward a little bit. You're in Oxford, Mississippi. You said you didn't know a lot about them, obviously from Oklahoma, spent some time in Texas. So when you get to Oxford, is it a culture shock from where you came from to Oxford? Uh, I don't know about like uh, culture wise, like location wise, the style of living. Um, I don't know about a lot, but I think the biggest thing was I moved here not knowing anyone. Um, I didn't know one person at the University of Mississippi. Um, I didn't know a soul. So I moved down to my apartment. Uh, Coach Lafferty set me up with two roommates that were coming in. Um, and of course, I'm the first guy to move in. So I move in. My parents helped me. My parents are like, you know, hey, we're leaving. Like, appreciate you guys helping me move in. And now I'm sitting on my couch waiting. All right. The guy, next two guys that walk in this door, I'm going to live with for this next year. And I have no idea who they are, what they do, what they're like, you know. So I think that was the most nerve wracking moment is, you know, just not knowing what was going to happen. You know, I didn't know anyone on the team. So walking into the first team meeting, I don't have anyone to sit by, you know, I don't have anyone. Hey, I'm going to go talk to this guy just because I know him. Like I didn't have that connection. Um, so I think that was the hardest part coming here. 
Yeah, absolutely. So when you obviously you end up getting close with these guys, you you know, brothers for life, but talk to who was like the first person that really kind of took you under their wing and, and made like a leader to you. Uh, I think it's Peyton Chatney. Um, and I didn't know him, you know, while well at the time my roommates were Mitch Morell and Brandon Johnson, who were both amazing guys um, and really good roommates. Uh, but we also lived in the same complex as a lot of older guys. Um, and I had the opportunity of, you know, hanging out with those guys was one of the first weekends. And uh, I think Peyton was just one of those guys that, you know, took me under and, you know, showed me how, how it is around here and was really open and, you know, allowed me to ride along with them, um, do things that they would do, which I think is important to get guys involved. Um, so I'm really thankful for that. Absolutely. Does he ever let you get in his TikToks? Uh, he's tried. I've actually had to make a TikTok before and, uh, not, not my style, but Wes, Wes Burton came on here and said his TikToks were for baseball, whereas Peyton's were for 12 year old girls. That was a direct mm. quote. Wow. Um, that's, that's tough right there. Well, <laughs> all righty, moving on. So Don't act like you weren't here for that, Randy. So, <laughs> what, I, what, what I, what I heard from that is Garrett did not deny that. <laughs> yeah. So Garrett first year, your first action comes at globe life field at the state farm college showdown versus Texas. And obviously you talked about spending some time in Texas, but just talk to us about what that atmosphere was like in that showdown. That's, that's one of the coolest experiences uh, I've ever had for sure. As a baseball player, Um, just being in that atmosphere, playing at that type of field in front of, you know, 20,000 fans, whatever it was at the time against really good competition. Uh, But when my name was called, it was kind of scary. You know, I was new, wasn't sure what my role was going to be. I've had a tough role and, uh, Peyton actually pulls up on his, I think his third double of the game, I want to say, um, pulls his hamstring, coasting into second base. Uh, and I didn't know what my name was going to be called. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen. All I hear is, you know, Wood, grab a helmet. And I take off the second base and look up, and it's like, holy shit. Like, uh, this a is a lot crazy. of damn people. Yeah. Like, uh, this is awesome, but this is nerve-wracking. Um, but that was a really cool experience. Uh, got in that bat there. Uh, I think I walked, actually. Um, but it was really fun. How much family was able to come see you there? Uh, my mom and my dad were both there. Uh, I think they were there at different times or different games. I'm not sure who was actually at the game that I played in, um, but both my brothers were also there. So it was really cool. Well, of course, of course. So yeah. you, you see some playing time here and there in your first year, but you get your first RBI in the Super Regionals against Arizona. Obviously, you know, that's a loss, but did it kind of – did it? how did it feel to get out on the big stage, not only that, but to come through with an RBI? Yeah. You know, I think it was, it was tough to swallow all year. Um, you know, and I try to be the best teammate I can be, show up to the field every day, be the best player, be the best person. Um, and I think that's, you know, why, why I'm treated the way I am, and you know, why a lot of people respect me um, just for, you know, being that type of person. Um, so I think that year was kind of tough on me. Um, I didn't really show it, didn't really let people know. Um, and I hated that, you know, my first RBI was at the, the last game of the season. Uh, but, you know, it was cool at the time to step on that stage and compete. Um, I think the biggest feeling is just not being out there actually competing, you know, like uh, you're still involved in the dugout. You still have a role. Your role is very important, but it's a little different once you step across those lines and go to war, you know? Absolutely. So I kind of want to dig into that a little bit. You talked about how tough it was for you and, you know, being a good teammate and you've obviously set the example of what that looks like, but how do you stay mentally engaged on a team, obviously high-performing team like Ole Miss, obviously playing on the biggest stage. How do you stay engaged and stay being a good teammate when I know you probably didn't always feel like it? We can obviously put on the good teammate face, but how do you do it? Uh, I think the biggest thing is just 
showing up to the field every day and just realizing the opportunity I had. Um, not a lot of people, you know, have the opportunity uh, to play here at Ole Miss and not just Ole Miss, but other schools across the country. Um, and people would give up a lot of things, I think, to be in the shoes I, I was in and the shoes I am in. Um, so I think, you know, waking up every morning and realizing that, that I have the opportunity to better myself um, and to play for a top team in the SEC, I think that held me together. And then, of course, the team and the coaches were really, uh, really good about it, um, bringing everyone together. Uh, they're really good teammates and coaches. So that was that, that helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys last year coming into the season, there's a, a lot of hype around Ole Miss in the preseason, deservedly so. How motivated and hungry is the team first and then specifically you coming off the tough year you had? Yeah, uh, I think everyone was excited. Uh, you know, we fell up, fell a game short in Arizona in the Super Regional, one game away from the World Series. Um, so I think everyone was pretty fired up for the new season, um, had some new guys coming in. Um, but for me, I think it was it was more of, you know, I'm here to be more than what I was, what I was the year before, you know. I want my role to be something better than that. Um, I'm still going to be the best guy. I can be the best teammate. Uh, but I want to do whatever I can to increase my role in a way, you know, no matter what that may be. Um, so I think that kept me, you know, driven um, and trying to be the best player I can be every day. Yeah, Garrett, let me ask you, do you have you you talked about coming in not knowing anybody and you know you didn't have somebody to go sit beside. Has that lent you to taking in some young guys and kind of showing them maybe like, you know, hey, come sit by me or anything like that? Or are you just like, nah, man, earn your stripes, boy? No, 100 uh, percent I I bring guys in all the time. Uh I feel like that's a important role for me this year is, you know, being a leader and you know, hopefully being the team captain. Um and bringing these freshman guys in and you know, showing them this is how we do it and not in that way of hey, do this or do that, you know, just show them the ropes, make them feel comfortable and confident because um, I know how it feels to show up, you know, and I showed up at 21 years old. These guys are showing up at 17, 18 years old. Um, yeah, I can only imagine. Crazy, yeah. So just try to help them feel comfortable, um, let them realize, you know, they're here for a reason. That's that's the biggest thing is everyone's going to fail. Everyone's going to make mistakes, but there's a reason you play for Ole Miss. There's a reason you're in the SEC, um, and that's because you were, the, you know, one of the best players in your high school and your class. Um, so just be yourself and play like it and everything's going to work out. <laughs> Absolutely. So you, you guys start off hot you hit a, a bad slump. Everybody knows, but right. talk to us specifically because it just seemed like that you guys with veteran leadership, talk about that veteran leadership. You're a part of this veteran leadership, I would imagine. And just how you guys were able to keep the young guys grounded and say, you know, everything's still in front of us. Yeah. I think leadership played a huge role um, in our success. And yeah, we went down a dark place um, for that stretch uh, and it was tough on everyone. And Tim Oko, you know, a big, the captain of, you know, our team did a good job of keeping guys together. Um, even older guys too, Hayden Leatherwood, Max Trophy, those guys, you know, brought everyone together, Ben Van Cleve, and made it realize like, hey, this is our last time playing baseball. We don't want to go out like this. Uh, and I think it helped these younger guys realize, you know, like we were so close as a team that I wanted to win for this team, for this university, for this coaching staff, but I also wanted to win for guys like Hayden Leatherwood and Ben Van Cleve who had, this would be their last season. And I don't want them to go out on a note down the road we were going down, you know? So I think that played a huge role. Um, but also the coaching staff was amazing during this time. You know, we'd show up to practice uh, and it was like we were the best team in the country. Which, you know, we were number one at one point and then we fell off the map and no one knew who we were. Um, but they showed up the same every day, made us realize, hey, let's just get better, keep practicing the same way we've been practicing all year. We knew we were good. We just weren't playing good, you know? So we knew we had it in us, but they helped us be comfortable and relaxed, um, not panic or pressured 
uh, and helped us get back to where we were. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk specifically. We all saw the video of the selection show when you guys get called out, but take us inside that room, Garrett. What beforehand is it just, are you nervous? Are you more nervous before that selection show or when you're waiting on two new roommates to come into your apartment? <laughs> that selection show for sure. Uh, so the week before, you know, we were, we're a really cr- close group. Sorry. Um, we would always hang out together outside of baseball. Um, so of course, you know, we're all together watching games uh, that are going on, which is probably the worst thing you can do is follow other games that are being played and realizing this is what you need to happen for you to get in. This is what you don't need to happen. And then just watching stuff go the way you didn't need it to. So that's probably where we shouldn't have, what we shouldn't have been doing. Uh, but walking into that room was scary, man. Uh, natural reaction is to look at the coaches. Like I'm going to try to get a read off coach Clement of what his body language is, you know, like, what is he showing? Is he like, cause typically, you know, before the selection show from what I've been told. So we knew before the selection show we were in, but we weren't told that. So, but someone knew at the time. Um, but so I was trying to get a read, you know, like what's going on, all this stuff. Uh, and I never could get a read enough to where I was confident. And, uh, I sat in that chair and I text Peyton, uh, he was sitting right next to me, but no one was really saying a word. Uh, everyone was kind of dead silent. And I texted him. I said, there's no way we're in. And he said, you don't think so? I'm like, no, there's no way. And uh, leading up to the week, I'm, I'm being honest with you guys, uh, as I would with anyone. Uh, I thought there was no chance at the time. Uh, I tried to be as confident as I could and as positive with our team, telling guys, hey, let's keep working. You know, there's a chance we're in. Um, and if they give us a chance, let's just run with it. Um, but deep down, I, I'm not sure if I really thought we were going to make it. Yeah, so, I'm with you. I, I thought it was NC State, honestly, was going to get that last slot. Yeah, I'm with you, too. Uh, I didn't know anything about NC State at the time, but then after the selection show happened, um, I saw, you know, a lot of stuff on social media about them not making it. Um, and I they made the right choice. I understand why they were upset, though. Uh, well, of course. but Randy, you know, they won it all, though, so it's easy for you to say yeah. the right no, choice, bro. No, no. I didn't think <laughs> NC State's resume, I, you know, I'll tell Tommy White this to his face, man. I didn't think they had the resume that old Mr. You didn't say it to his, you didn't say it to his face a couple weeks ago when he was on here. I wasn't on here. But anyway, yeah, so. Hold on. Hold on, I got a, I got a question, and I, I never asked this to to anybody else, but I figure now's a good time. Yeah. Had you guys not made it in, would you have been like, "Oh man, we got screwed," or would you have been like, "All right, I, that's on us. Like we we needed to do more." Um, I would have been the type of guy that's that's on us. Uh, you know. We did, you know, we didn't deserve it if we didn't get in. Uh, we didn't do enough to obviously please the people that make that selection. Um, and I think there would have been a lot of people that felt that we got screwed. Um, I think the hardest part of the whole situation was the stretch we put together at the end of the season. If we don't put together that stretch, we're not making the tournament. Um, but the stretch we put together of, to Southern Miss, to LSU, um, we dropped two games to AM, which was tough. Uh, but I think we ended up winning seven of our last nine SEC games, which was huge. Um, but then we lose first game of the SEC tournament. Um, so it was hard, you know. It's that's a tough draw. Vandy, day one, that's tough. Winner you know, goes. Um, hey, Randy, I got to I got to thinking about it because you said you weren't here for Tommy White. I'm I'm gonna ask Garrett what he thinks. What do you think about Randy skipping Tommy White and Ben Joyce to go to Disney? I mean, I can't believe this guy. Man, hey, I, I regret nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> and he's when well, you see him wearing a Tennessee hat, he he missed Ben Joyce. Yeah. yeah, I mean, dime a dozen. So listen, <laughs> Garrett, let's get back to you for a second. 
So obviously talked about him already, Tim Elko and getting a statue. The guy deserves it. He's the epitome of what a, a leader should be. But uh, I, I think, uh, you know, he gets a little bit too much credit for one thing. He says, don't let the revs get hot. But, you know, coach has made a change and put you in the starting lineup. And all of a sudden, then we're winning seven out of nine. We're making the <laughs> tournament. I mean, you don't start all year. He makes the change. So talk to me. One, how excited were you for the opportunity? And how does that conversation go with you and the coaching staff? Yeah. Uh I was, you know, extremely excited and fired up for the chance. Uh, the crazy thing about college baseball and at our level is you just never know when your opportunity will come. Uh, someone could get hurt, just someone's not playing good. The hardest part is, you know, you got to be locked in every time, every practice, every game, because you never know when that chance will be. And I can promise you, if you're not a teammate, if you're not a good teammate, a team player, and you don't care, and then your chance is coming, like you're, it's going to be tough to succeed, you know? Um, so I think having my teammates, my teammates having my back, rooting for me, knowing, you know, the stuff I went through, the stuff I, you know, did in practice, knowing that I actually cared and was bought into everything we were doing helped a lot. Um, now, the reason I played, I absolutely hate, uh, you know, TJ McCants got injured in the Coral Gables Regional playing center field, diving for a ball, hurt his thumb. Um, he came up to me in the dugout and he's like, hey, you need to be ready. I was like, what are you talking about? And, you know, he's like, I just, I can't move my thumb. I can't squeeze my glove. Uh so I didn't know at the time, you know, what was going to happen. Um, he tried to play catch in between innings, couldn't do it. Um, so I figured, you know, there's a good chance. So I kind of, you know, I was already locked in before, but, you know, kind of take it to the next state in my mind. Like, uh, you know, this is go time. And this is what I've been waiting for ever since I've stepped on campus here at Ole Miss. Um, and I think that's what fired me up and, you know, got me excited for the opportunity. Um, but it wasn't really like a sit down conversation with the coaching staff just because it happened mid game. So right. it was kind of like a, hey, Wood, you're going in type of deal. Um, Called your name again. Yeah, Wood, here you go. Uh, <clears throat> and then after that, um, it was kind of, I just never knew at the time, you know, I didn't know if I was going to play uh, when TJ would be back healthy, which I was hoping would be the next day. That's uh, one of my best friends here. Um, but I would find out, you know, on the bus ride to the field, uh, hey, you know, I'm in the lineup today and just try to roll with it as long as I could. And uh, I, it was it was awesome. You know, I'm really thankful for that opportunity and, you know, got to show a little bit of, you know, who I am and what I can be as a player. No, absolutely. So as if you guys haven't faced enough adversity, you go down to Coral Gables and you're having to wait out a hurricane. There's like 20 inches of rain. You're doing all that. So talk about the, the teams. Are you guys at this point still elated to be there? You're just ready to hit the field or talk about what, how, how is that point is the coaching staff keeping everybody focused saying, Hey, we might have to go here. We might have to go then. Yeah, I think Coach B does a really good job about that, uh, about keeping everyone ready. And, you know, we practice that stuff throughout the fall, and he talks about it a lot. We do a lot of mental game stuff um, about just keeping everyone prepared because uh, you never know. You know, he talks about controlling what you can control a lot um, and not worry about the uncontrollables like the weather, stuff like that. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. It wasn't fun sitting there in their weight room, crammed in for hours before the game. And then, you know, showing up, we got breakfast four hours before the game, and then we show up to the field two and a half hours early and then you know we get hot and then we get shut down for two hours and then we go back out and you know that part's obviously not fun um but I think that's that makes the story a little more fun so absolutely so the story goes you guys get through the Coral Gables region then you head to Hattiesburg ultimately punch your ticket to Omaha take care of business obviously bring home I don't want to skip ahead too much but you bring right. home the first national championship for Ole Miss Obviously, as you're a kid that's growing up in Oklahoma, you know, you talked about the route you wanted to go and not taking that first offer, and then you get this chance. Did you ever dream that you could win a 
national championship at the absolute pinnacle of college baseball? Yeah. I mean, I think that's hard to say, uh, growing up, I think that's something, you know, you dream of, um, but it's really hard to comprehend and understand, you know, at a young age, uh, you just want to be like those guys that are on the field or want to be given that chance. Um, I think once you get into the actual college level and you're on a team that has a chance, I think your mindset turns a little bit differently, uh, where you want it, you know, like you, you know, you can do it, you know, your team has the, the possibility of winning a national championship. Um, so I think that makes it more fun uh, rather than being the young kid who just wants to be in that situation where you're actually in the situation, like you're fighting to win a national championship. So I think that makes it interesting. Yeah. So last question, I'm going to turn you over to Jim. Obviously you didn't grow up in, in Mississippi, you know, with that rivalry with Mississippi state, but it really struck me as growing up in this area that Mississippi state wins one. And then the very next year, their yeah. bitter rival wins one. Did that make your title just a little bit not sweeter? Uh, for me, no, not, not personally. You wanted uh, to win it first. Oh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not big into the rival with Mississippi state. Obviously I'm not from here. Uh, I'm, I've only been here for three years, so I'm not big into the rivalry. Uh, all those guys are really good guys uh, when we play them. And, you know, I respect all those, all those guys. Um, so I'm not big into the rivalry, but there are some guys on our team uh, that are from this area that don't like that team or not that team don't like that school. Uh, so I think that made it a little more important for them. Uh, but for me, not personally, really, I think I was just excited for our team at the moment. All right. I lied. This is my last question for real. Yeah. Walk us through when you guys do, you find you get the last out and you're the national championship. What's the first thing through your mind? I don't even know if I could think, I don't even know if I remember, you know, doing what we did. I remember just sitting on the rail and, uh, Brandon Johnson went in for the ninth, uh, walked up to the stairs, and I don't know if that was the best move to make, uh, but everyone was ready to run out there, and you didn't know what could happen. You know, three outs is a lot of outs, especially in that situation and between that type, these type of teams. Uh, but just taking off on there and dogpiling, and the only thing I remember actually from the dogpile is being on top of Ben Van Cleve, uh, and he was on his back. It's better uh, to be on top of him than him be on top of you, my friend. Yeah. That, that's the truth. Uh, so I was on top of him, and uh, he was fired up and then within 10 seconds, you know, he's yelling, I can't breathe, get off, get off. Uh, and then after that was just a, you know, a huge celebration and, uh, running around the field was really cool there and seeing our fans. Uh, it was awesome. It was a fun moment. Yeah. A guy of his size, you know, no offense, definitely don't want to be at the bottom of that dog pile. You, come, <laughs> you, were, you were coming from the outfield anyway. Did you, were you, cause you were in during that game. I was not in at the, during the final game. No, I was not. Okay. So I was coming from the dugout with Ben. Gotcha. Oh man. Ben, 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 I'm sure oh, was the, the first guy to try to hold get in there. Hold on. Garrett. So that means if, if Ben Van Cleve and you were both in the dugout and he was on the bottom and you was on the top, <laughs> he beat you? Correct. He beat oh. you? Correct. I, uh, I, I did a little slow jog out there. I, w I wasn't trying to be on the very bottom of that thing. Strategic uh, move. Well, well played. <laughs> Um, before we get into talking about next season, because you brought up, um, you know, Hayden Leatherwood, he actually happened to text me and ask me how the episode was going. And he wanted me, uh, to, to ask you to bring up, talk about what your dad does by putting a, a Bible verse every day in a group message for you guys. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, uh, my dad's been coaching all over, uh, high school level. He coached at the college level back home in Oklahoma at Rogers state. Um, and has you know, grown some really really good relationships throughout the game of baseball with, you know, college players, high school players, parents. Um, but he started a Bible verse group text uh, maybe like five years ago, six years ago, I want to say, um, in which he sends out a new Bible verse every morning. Um, 
which is really, you know, just to start your day off. Um, and I think that's something that's impacted his life a lot. Um, and he's trying to impact others. Uh, but it's really just that close knit group of people. So, you know, he has players that he coached guys like Dylan Bundy that are in that group text. Um, and then I try to do my part uh, by bringing guys in from our team, you know, so I've added a couple guys from our team into this group message um, that they have, you know, they've had the privilege to meet my dad when he's came down. Um, and my dad, you know, just loves sharing, sharing the word and uh, tries to do it every morning. So I think it's pretty awesome. Well, it shows it means something because obviously, like I said, Hayden took the opportunity to get me to bring it up to you on the, the air because he felt like it needed the recognition. So um, good stuff from your dad. So, you know, talking about this next upcoming season, you lose a lot of guys. You know, we talk about Hayden and Ben, you know, obviously Elko, Graham, Johnson, Delucia. I mean, the list goes on and on. But with that great opportunity coming for you, you know, you've been waiting your time. Um, you also have a top four recruiting class coming in you got a lot of returning guys so y'all been playing ball uh this fall you know talk to me how's the how's the guys look you know the returning players new players how are we looking yeah uh, I think we're looking really good um you know I think most teams say that too uh but I, I actually mean that um we did lose some key pieces which is you know definitely hard to replace um some big name guys but I think we've got the shoes to fill them uh we got some good junior college recruits, some really good freshmen, as you mentioned, you know, a pretty good recruiting class. Um, but the fall's been, you know, going really well. Uh, a lot of guys are stepping up and showing that they can compete at this level. Um, and I think uh, I think we got a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, so for you, you know, I know you can play. Uh, I mean, you're that utility guy. You can play anywhere. You've obviously talked about playing outfield. I know you can play third base. You know, um, you know, where is it it's looking like right now that you're more most likely going to be at? Uh, I would think third base at this moment. Um, I've been playing corner infield um, mainly this fall, uh, first base and third base. Um, but I think uh, third base is, you know, the spot I'm going for and uh, hoping that, you know, that's where I land. And, and that's what I had heard. And, and you know, I wanted to confirm that from you. And I, I bring it up because, you know, you got Jacob Gonzalez and Peyton Chatney in the infield with you. I mean, does it get better than that? Yeah, it's uh, it's impressive. It's a good guys to have up the middle for sure. So. Yeah, so talk to me about pitching, you know, outside of, you know, maybe like Hunter Elliott that everybody in the world knows. Uh, talk to me about the arms, you know, to watch, you know, or to, to those listening who maybe don't know. Right. Uh, I think we got a lot of good new guys um, and obviously returners, guys like Mason Nichols, Jack Doherty, um, Josh Mallets, guys like that that, you know, stepped up and showed that they can perform, you know, at the biggest stage last year. Those guys are going to be huge pieces no matter what. Um, but new guys like Grayson Sonye, a freshman um, from Tennessee, from Memphis area, I believe, uh, Collierville. Uh, he's really impressive. He's going to be a really good guy. Uh, he, he turned down some money to come here, um, and he's going to get a lot more money, I think, by the time he leaves here. So he's a, he's a big guy for us. Um, more guys like Cole Tolbert, who's a junior college guy. Uh, Tommy Henninger, who's also a junior college guy, both really good arms. Um, and then we got some guys that, you know, came in throwing pretty hard. Freshman JT Quinn uh, up to 98 so far. Um, who else was with him? Uh, Patrick Galley up to 97. Um, so some pretty good, you know, some high, high arm, high talent arms, high velo arms coming in. Um, but even more than that, you know, the guys have a field of pitch, which I think is more important at this level. Uh, so those are a couple guys and I'm sure I'm missing some and, you know, sorry to those guys, but uh, 
those are some names that pop up to my head. Yeah, no, and, and you talk about the young guys, and, you know, Hunter Elliott, to, to go back to the name I dropped, is a perfect example of how a freshman can come in and make a huge impact. So, I mean, you know, you never know. It, it, it could be the returning guys. It could be the new guys. Um, you never know who's going to, um, you know, uh, take that spot and run with it. You know, I'll be there this Saturday when y'all uh, y'all have your scrimmage against UAB. Give me a position player, um, not one of the usual suspects, not one of the returning guys. Give me a guy that I need to be watching out for that uh, you may maybe he's flying under the radar. Uh, I I think the reason he's flying under the radar is because it's his first year. Uh, but Ethan Leger, uh, he's an infielder uh, that came from Delgado Community College. Uh, he can flat out play. Um, I think he's going to be a, a really big piece to our success this year. Um, can hit a uh, really good arm, can run good body. Um, he, he's someone you need to watch for, for sure. I'm just glad that, well, you know, there's a chance of rain. So actually I should, I should, I should hold my tongue about this, but I'm just yeah. glad it's not 30 degrees. I mean, you know, I talked about being out there with your brother coming out them fall games last year. That was yeah. miserable, bro. Oh yeah, I know. Hopefully we, we got seven more games. Hopefully we can get, get through with some good weather and then I don't care what it does after that yeah and you you know you said you can only take so much from fall ball but you know I did a write-up after watching y'all in fall ball last year and you know I'll you know I'll pat my own back I picked y'all to go on all you can you can see a lot I mean I saw the talent that was on the field and and you know I'll be there to to judge you guys this upcoming weekend and then I'll be back in Baton Rouge to see them the next weekend I'll do a little little comparison um but, but with that, you know, bringing up LSU, I want to talk about the SEC. You know, I, I talked about the SEC West had the top four recruiting classes. You look at the guys coming back, you know, looking ahead at the schedule, you know, I know that you say all opponents are created equal, but there's got to be, you know, honestly, is there a series, you know, whether it's a home away that you're really looking forward to in the SEC this year? Uh, Mississippi State for sure. Uh, those fans there are electric. Uh, I went there my first year here um, at, when we played at Mississippi State, uh, and it was crazy. Uh, we had fans waiting, you know, at the gates before we even got there, waiting for us to get in, yelling and all that stuff. Uh, but just the atmosphere, atmosphere there is really cool, um, which I think is what makes SEC so special, you know, the type of people you get to play in front of, the crazy fans and crowds. Uh, so Mississippi State's for sure what I'm looking for. And I know you're looking for some get back in their stadium. Yeah, uh, we need it. We need some get back for a while, so we'll see. Well, I'm going to end with this, speaking of get back. Just so we're clear, LSU's coming to town April 21st to the 23rd, and my boys are going to get some get back. Because you know what, Gary? I went down there to Baton Rouge for that series and watched y'all absolutely wax us. (laughs) And I'm not appreciative of that at all. So now I'm not going to have to drive five hours. I'm driving 45 minutes down the road. And my boy's going to get some get back because, man, you made for a miserable weekend. You guys just – I mean, it was – other than the Dylan Cruz home run that Friday night before the storm, yeah. after that, it was just straight beat down. And you put me through it, man. Oh. <laughs> that, was a, that was a big weekend for us. Uh, that turned our season around a lot. But, yeah, uh, no doubt. I mean, y'all, y'all brought it. And I think my favorite part of this, the, you know, Dylan Delucia came on here and we didn't know that. And uh, it was great to be able to I actually told Dylan Cruz this uh, a couple weekends ago when we were in Baton Rouge at dinner um, that Dylan said that the reason he came back out, he, he pleaded his case to Coach B to pitch on Saturday after pitching Friday night was he was so pissed off about Dylan taking him yard. Yeah. And I said, just so you know, Dylan, I was like, you woke up a sleeping giant because obviously you remember Delusia came out there and absolutely shoved Saturday. Yeah, that was that was impressive for him to, 
you know, throw 40 pitches on Friday night and then the weather, you know, gets banged and then got to wake up the next morning and already sore and went through his whole routine and then, you know, does it again and, you know, has a phenomenal game the next morning. Um, but yeah, Dylan Cruz, uh, I, he can be upset about that, but at least he gave it up to a really good hitter. So <laughs> no doubt. So Garrett, before we hop into this game, man, I, I have one, you know, kind of question that, that popped in my head. Obviously, you know, you come off a national championship and you guys are now, you know, the target. You know, everyone's chasing you. You're going to get everybody's best shot. Um, right. And I'm, I'm sure Coach Speak is out there about, you know, can't rest on your laurels. Last year was last year. Um, it's a new year. But as players, when you guys are off the field, is that something that you guys openly discuss? You know, hey, we can't get caught up in to what was last year. We can appreciate it, but this is something totally different. Yeah, I think the biggest, you know, the time we really only talk about is when it's just us returner guys together. Um, I don't want to be that guy or, you know, I, I don't think our team wants to be that team that, you know, talks in front of the new guys. Hey, we're national champions, all this stuff, you know, like uh, that's last year. Uh, it's time to move on with these new guys that we have um, and try to win another one and let them be involved in it. Um, I think as returners, we just talk about how cool the experience, it, you know, it was how how awesome and how blessed we were to be there. Um, but I think it helps us play with more confidence this year, you know, going into the fall, going into the upcoming season, just have more confidence um, and bring these guys along for the ride and see if we can do it again. Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, it it solidifies the expectations that we already knew were in place is that when you come to Ole Miss, you're playing for a national championship. That's right. what it's all about. And now that you won one, like, it's a very real accomplishment and task because you've done it before. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out. I mean, you're the champ until somebody beats you, man. So that's, that's the way that I look at it and looking forward to you guys, you know, getting after it again this season. Randy, I know, I, I noticed Randy, they made sure Tennessee wasn't on that schedule, bro. Hey, man, they, they hoisted the trophy at the end of the year. Uh, I was going to see if I could bait you out. You wouldn't even take it. Hey, they hoisted, you don't win a trophy by a three-game sweep, even, no matter how dominant it is, you know? Yeah, them boys were good, though. Them boys were good. Yeah, well, you know, Notre Dame was better. Hey, I guess Jack, so. Jack Brandon was better. Hey, that's what makes baseball so special. Garrett, that yeah. took the fun out. I never would have said it. I thought I could have baited Randy out to talk some crap, but you know what? He gave he gave yeah. the flowers. He he said Garrett has stuff. been so humble and mature this whole time. Like if this had been like BBC, we were talking to, I'm giving him the business. <laughs> I'm not. Garrett's just been like the, the model citizen. Too. Yeah, he would have loved it and tried to give something right back to you. You know, he tried, but every when he went at DB and DB went back at him, he was like, uh, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, Garrett, man, let's uh let's play a game, man, before we get you right. out of here, dude. What we got? It's called This or That. Very simple. I give you two options. You choose one option or the other. Can't say both. Can't say neither. Pick one. Be decisive. Real quick to the punch, man. Let's do it. All right, here we go. A layup question to start us off. Pizza or tacos? Pizza. What's your favorite pizza? Please Plenty. tell me it doesn't involve pineapple. No, no chance. Thin crust pepperoni every time. I, I can get with that. Let me ask you this. Are you a eat your pizza with a fork kind of dude? 
Um, if you if if you are, we're going we're gonna have, yeah, uh, have, have a conversation. <laughs> I will only eat pizza with a fork if it's thick crust and I'm using ranch. All right, I can do, I can I can handle that. Some oh. some clowns are out there just going to town with their knife and their fork. No, not me. All that. All right, you can only keep one, and, and the layup questions are over with. All right, but you can only keep one: the powder blue uniforms or the camo hat. Which one are you keeping? Which one's going in the garbage forever? The camo hat I'm keeping. Keeping. Yeah. Why is that? Why the hat and not the blues? The blues are pretty pretty popular. Uh, the, the blues are one of the coolest uniforms, I think, in college baseball. Uh, but when it comes to the comfortability of them, I think we have other uniforms that are more comfortable than those uniforms. That's why I would keep the camo hat. Okay. All right. Would you rather go to the beach or the lake? The lake. That's just lake. because growing up from Oklahoma, that's what we do all the time. So I think I think the the lake. There ain't a beach uh, in Oklahoma. No, nope. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, what what is more iconic in Ole Miss folklore? Is it the stash of Tim Elko, or is it the nice, flowing, beautiful locks of Hunter Elliott? Oh. Um. The beautiful locks of Hunter Elliott. Finally, somebody gonna, was somebody spoke the truth. Finally, Tim is gonna hate me for that answer, but I'm going for it because hey. Hunter is consistent with it. Tim sometimes has it, sometimes doesn't. I think that's what I'm going with. All right, consistency <clears throat> is king, man. Would you rather play wiffle ball or dodgeball? Wiffle ball. So. Yeah. All the pitchers say dodgeball. Every pitcher we have on the show is like, I want to play dodgeball. Yeah. They all think they can throw hard and throw it at people. And, you know, you can. They, they can. Everyone, <laughs> they can. They, they can throw it way harder than I can. But, hey, you can play pegs and wiffle ball. Come on. True. True. Those, those, don't, those aren't fun either. No, those aren't. I wouldn't want to play pegs with pitchers. Daniel, this, this shows about Garrett, but I've never actually asked you the question. And because you were a pitcher, but mm -hmm. wiffle ball was our game. Would you rather play wiffle ball or dodgeball? Dodgeball, 100%. Ah, Just so it is a pitcher thing. Yeah. I, I'm no, no holds bar. Like, at least like when you're playing wiffle ball, there's like some semblance of structure and rules that you got to play by. Yeah. And dodgeball, it's just like you just got to hit the other person. It doesn't yeah. matter where, how, just as hard Stay as you can. the lines and throw it. Yep, that's it. Plus, it's a game of like, you know, it's like beast mode game. Like, I don't want to think too much when I'm playing a game like that. I just want to yeah. rip it and go. True. I respect it. So, concert or sporting event? And let me let me put it in context. This is not just like a, a average, oh, I'm going to go up the road and, and catch, you know, the acoustic show tonight. No, this is a bucket list concert or a bucket list sporting event? Can only uh, pick one. Concert, for sure. All right, who who is your bucket list concert? Taylor Swift just came out with a new album. No, no, like I, it? no, I haven't heard that yet. I should probably download it, huh? It's, no. It was it was pretty pretty cute. It was it's titled <laughs> Mid Midnight, and it came out at midnight. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, I'm gonna go with if I'm gonna go on the rap side of concert of music. I'm going to go with Lil Baby. That's my favorite rapper. Uh, and if I'm going countryside, I'm going to go with Cody Johnson. 
that would be the two concerts that I would like to go to. He wants to go where they're both performing at the same yeah, concert. That would there be cool. I just don't know if I could get that combination. <laughs> Ray, so Randy, make a call. You can make it happen. Yeah, I got you. Let's go. You got Garrett. <laughs> yeah, Randy knows everybody. Yeah, yeah. You come to that Grizz game, man. Well, I got you. All right, yep. I'm coming. Little baby might actually be there. He was there the other night. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So, Garrett, um, if you, you know, it, when you're in your car, actually, let's let's take it, you know, let's be more specific here. The last time you were in your car and you got out, what was the last song playing on the radio? I was definitely playing music on my phone for sure. I never listened to the radio. Uh, All right. What, what was song was on? Oklahoma Smoke Show by Zach Bryan. Got you need to check it out if you like that style of music. It's really good. It is. I yeah. know it. Yeah, it's good. I mean, the title's pretty pretty cute. I like yeah. that. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's from That's Mexico. All right. <laughs> All right. Would you rather be a hero or a villain? Uh, a hero, I guess. I don't know. I'm not big into the uh that type of stuff, so I don't really know. No. Yeah. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite hero, or who who do you think the, the the best hero is i would have i have zero clue i don't know if i've ever seen any of those movies that, that uh, those type of people are involved in oh man just I mean, probably didn't even watch no there. batmans or nothing no, i've never seen any of that stuff so let me let, let me give you the easy answer and I, I heard i stole this from someone i can't remember what guest said this but when you don't know who your favorite hero is yeah. you just say jesus yeah jesus <laughs> went wins off yeah. <laughs> that, that, that or when they say mom or dad that's usually always solid yeah mom for sure there you go <laughs> all right last question this is a big question would you rather have massive success on accident or modest success on purpose um massive success on accident man that's a good answer yeah i think so i think that's the really? best answer right yeah, Randy, you can break it down for him. You know, he gets. You know, we we always have these people that come on and say, you know, they want to earn everything and do this and do that, and then I just break it down pretty simple. If I was to tell you, I'm going to give you a hundred million dollars, or you can earn twenty million dollars, which one would you pick? You can give me a hundred million dollars. I'll do anything for that. Every single day and twice on Sundays. But then you got, oh, I want to earn it. Okay, well now I got eighty more million dollars than you because you want to be a dummy. Yeah. I'll take it right now. Whatever you need. <laughs> Absolutely. Their their pride, their pride just they get caught up in it, man. Yeah. Somebody wants to give me money. I ain't. There's nothing wrong with luck and anything. Nope. So. Not at all. Garrett, man, before you get out of here, anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, not at this time. I don't think. I just want to, you know, give a shout out to my family, uh, my mom and dad for everything they've done for me. Um, didn't get to talk about my mom a lot in this video, as it's you know mainly a baseball type of deal. Uh, but she impacts my life more than um, she could ever imagine. Uh, and shout out to my brothers, uh, even the one that likes to hype me up a little bit. Maybe he can slow down a little bit. <laughs> you did not tell everyone, you know, that you think I'm good. Uh, but no, just, you know, thanks for my family and uh, appreciate you guys for allowing me on here today. Absolutely, man. We are thankful to have you on finally. And we're looking forward to a, uh, another magical season yeah. for you guys, man. I hope so. Let's do it. All right. If you want to know more about Garrett Wood, you want to see what he's doing on the weekend, you want to 
see what's going on on TikTok with him and Peyton. If you just want to see Ole Miss baseball stuff, him, you know, in these hype videos, go over to Instagram at Garrett underscore, underscore Wood 22, or you can just see Ole Miss baseball at Ole Miss BSB on Instagram. Garrett, man, we wish you nothing but luck and the best this season. If there's anything we could do for you, please reach out to us, man. Thank you guys so much. If there's anything I can do, let me know. So I appreciate you guys. So you I got it. You. That's Garrett Wood, everybody. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we got some headlines. All right, boys. So you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety. And you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary. Pain relief without narcotics, sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Q is your guy. Quintavious Burdett, who was once a guest of In Off the Bench, and Ole Miss alumni, who is with REMAX, is the guy who will help you get your home. He is the guy who just helped me get my home. I just closed on my house a few weeks ago in the South Haven area, and Quintavious is the one who set the whole thing up. He is the man. He is one of the top, if not the top, realtor in the Mid-South area. You can get a hold of him at 662-292-7136 for all your real estate needs. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you, of course, leading off, but not for much longer. We got a little baseball action. And guys, we tried to redeem ourselves in picks. We both, you know, went one and one. You guys picked the Phillies. I picked the Padres, but you guys picked the Yankees. And I unfortunately picked the Astros. And here we are. Um, staring at a World Series between the Phillies and the Astros. Randy, once again, you were right, man. The Phillies are, are playing well, and the, the guy that they paid all the money for to, to put him there actually did. He did just that. He put him there. Bryce Harper with a big, big, big shot to, to put him ahead. But, I mean, I, I think they were going to win the series nonetheless. What do, what do you think? I do, too. But, I mean, it's just it, it's refreshing to see – because, you know, Bryce Hopper's really been polarizing since he's been in the game. Nobody has doubted his talent, but a lot of people didn't like the guy. So to see him come up in a big moment after getting that contract and then have the owner come up after and say, I underpaid you. I don't know how I underpaid you at $300 million, but I underpaid you. Uh, that was a really cool moment, and it just goes to show something I think we all agree on, that Bryce Harper's been one of the best players of the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, you sit and you think, when we first heard the name Bryce Harper, the dude was barely like 14 or 15, maybe even younger than that. And yeah, like he was known as the prodigy and this phenom and the next big thing. And, you know, outside of LeBron, like I don't know many people that could like get that recognition that early and live up to it. And I would say he's done a pretty good job of, of living up to exactly what people thought or said he was supposed to be. 100%. So, Jim, who who you, who you take? 
Phillies, Astros, how many games? <clears throat> Astros and five. Ooh, you're not even giving the Phillies a shot, man. I just – I got to stop hating on Houston and just realize what they are, bro. They are what they are. Randy, what about you? You you still riding the Phillies train? Or is I that sure train coming to a halt? No, dude. I got to stick with them. I said they were going to be there. They're going to be there. I'm going Phillies in seven. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, I think if the Phillies can make it to a game seven, I think they win it. I think you're right. But I think they don't make it there. Um, I think the Astros get it done. I think they're going to get it done in six. Um, I think, um, I think maybe game one will be a close game. I think the next two that they play won't even be close. It'll be one way or the other. And then, you know, they'll, I think the Phillies will have a a good game where they beat up on the Astros, but inevitably I think Astros take care of business, six games, put it in writing, write it down. That's what I got. So um, outside of just it being the World Series, Jim, is that – will you watch any of it? Mm. You're going to put me to it like that. Mm-hmm. If if there is not football on, yes. I would say basketball, but I don't really have a, much of a rooting interest right now. So really only football could overtake it. True. I think it's one of those things uh, for me. I'm a, I enjoy watching baseball. Um, I just don't know if I can commit to a nine inning game. I think it's something that if my team's not in, I'll watch a couple innings and then flip over something else and then flip it back, check out an inning. Well, the good news um, is if you do want to invest, you don't have a West Coast team on there, so you're not going to get any ridiculous starts. I'm telling you, man, it's it's going to be, you know, 8.05 pitch time every night. Can't wait. Maybe earlier than that. Who knows? Um, but moving outside of baseball and moving on to the NBA, obviously um, there is some crazy stuff going on uh, in the West. I feel like the West is always good. We, I think that's a given. But I feel like the West might be better than what we thought they were going to be. I think there are some teams up there like the Jazz and, and even Portland. Um, Portland has has a name and they have a face, but um, sitting at 4-0 right now, I, 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 I wouldn't have picked it. But obviously the Pelicans are playing better. I mean, you got, you got the Jazz, who we thought were just fire selling everybody. They're up there, too. Um, Randy, before we get into the Grizz, just talk to me a little bit about the West. Do you think it's going to be – do you think there's going to be a couple teams in there that are that are pushing and it's going to be a lot harder, or do you think it's just kind of early and teams are just finding their way? Yeah, no, I think it's early because I think you got teams like Dallas. I mean, their only win was against the Grizzlies in dominant fashion, and I think that's a playoff team, of course. Uh, I think the Clippers are going to find theirs, but um, I don't – I think that you're going to probably see teams like the Trailblazers are going to fall. The Jazz are going to fall. I, I mean, they did get back a return for, uh, you know, Mitchell. But 
I don't see them staying up there. But you're right. The West is super deep. But right now it's like way too early for me to say that the Blazers or the Jazz are going to stay up there. You're going to uh, do you know what? The Warriors right now, if the playoffs were to start today, four games in, they're in a play in game with the Clippers. And I don't think any of us think that's that going to be the nine ten. Do you think up. the Pelicans stay in the mix? Absolutely. No, I've said that since last year. That team, if Zion can stay healthy with Brandon Ingram, who I've loved from the jump, I wish he was a Grizzly. I'll put that beside CJ McCollum. That team, it could be a that could be the Grizzlies of last year. They could go from a play-in team to a top four to five seed. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the Pelicans were supposed to be this last year, but with injuries, they're they're not. So now here they are. But even still, I mean, they they're able to win. They they beat the Mavericks last night, and Zion and Brandon Ingram didn't even play. And it, it, yeah. it ain't like it, it's not like the Mavericks, just like you were saying, Randy, it's not like the Mavericks aren't a good team. They're going to be in the playoffs and they just put it on Memphis, which I mean, I, I think Memphis That's is a great game. team, you know? Yeah, but they I just mean, don't play a, Dallas well. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is going on a few years now. It's getting ridiculous. It's Luca, man. He just does what he wants. Yep. There's, there's nothing that they can do that can stop that dude. But, you know, as we're talking about the Grizzlies, Randy, three and one start. Um, you know, Knicks, you know, played well first half, kind of slowed down second half, was a lot closer than it should have been. Um, you know, dominant over Houston, you know, probably, you know, could could have been better in some aspects. And then um you got the Dallas game, you know, where it was just just look, just what you said. Just not a good matchup, but um, you're playing away. It, it's just one of those things. It's early in the season, but three and one. It's a good start. You know what is the projection like for those guys right now? Are they where they should be given the guys that aren't on the court? No, absolutely. I think that they everybody expects them to regress, and by regressing, if that means going from two to five, I, I might agree. I think they're probably going to be in the mix anywhere between two and five. I think, like you said, the West is going to be so deep that you're going to have a cluster of teams in that same little area. But when you have, and I'm going to say this for the first time, when you have the best player in the NBA, and that's what I believe John Moran is right now, currently, you are going to be able to beat any team out there. His PER which obviously is efficiency rating, is over 35. That is stupid. That's Kevin Durant and his prime numbers right there. So when he's on the floor, they could be one of the best teams in the NBA. The problem being is when he goes off the floor, and maybe they found something in their last game because Desmond Bain ran a lot of point. And if Desmond can play point while Jaws out of the game and you let him play with guys like Brandon Clark and Santi Aldama, uh, LaRivia, I think, too, one thing you've got to think about, too, guys, is that we don't have Zaire – who is they say he's going to be out another four to six weeks. You, you know, obviously you don't have Jaron. Everybody knows that. Um, and you haven't seen Tillman yet. So I think there's still a lot that the Grizzlies are holding close to the vest. So to be able to be three and one after four, absolutely, hell yeah, we'll take that. Yeah. So do you think the, you know, Santi is another example of management getting it right? Oh, absolutely. That that guy has been the consummate professional. And what you really like to see, and we saw this after every big win last year, the other night, Jaron Jackson is just as happy that Santi is doing well. Santi is the third leading scorer on the team right now. I think he's averaging like 13, 
and he's uh, rebound seven and a half. If you can get 13 and eight from a dude like that who's going to be coming off the bench when Jaron comes back in, I mean, what a freaking steal that is. You still got Tyus, you got all those guys, but – and then you, LaRivia, the guy comes in, that's another example of it. That guy's averaging um like six and three a game, six, three, and three. That's exactly what you want coming off the bench because you got to make up for that Melton and uh, Kyle Anderson, all those guys not being here anymore. Now, let me get to the bad real quick, and I'm not going to stay on this long. They got to trade Dylan Brooks. They got to trade Dylan Brooks. When they lose leads, it's when Dylan comes in and just shoots and shoots and shoots. I think, let me look it up real quick. His free, his field goal percentage, his PER is 0.22. The NBA average is 15. 0.22. It's off. So let me ask you this. Does So he, they, they beat Brooklyn, right? And Brooklyn got probably a couple of the best players in the league on their team. If not, you know, arguably, I know Ja is up there, but Kevin Durant is the best player in the league, probably. Probably. All right, so Dylan came back for that game. They win that game. Is it, is he, was he a factor in winning that game? Or do you still think they do it without? Like that's, that's kind of the, the, dilemma that I, I i'm with you know when i think about dylan brooks is like he does a lot of bonehead stuff and he and he and he costs us at, at really bad times but then like we get wins from teams against like brooklyn and it's like does do we do that without him i don't know yeah, i think we do and i was actually wrong i was reading um above him i was reading david roddy dylan brooks is negative 15.37 in PER. Do you know how inefficient you got to be to be negative in PER? It's almost impossible. And to be negative 15, and here's the thing. They put him in as a defensive stopper on Kevin Durant and Kyrie. He didn't stop them. They both had 38. I think you I said mean, it earlier. You got to outscore them. And if yeah. Desmond's doing what he does, no. So, Joe, let me ask you this. Obviously, you know, if, if Desmond's going to have to run some of this point um, when Jaws off the court, that means they can't really be on the court at the same time that often, right? Right. I mean, you know, you see it with a lot of teams, though, and the way they stagger their minutes. Um, and especially when you get later in the season – or not later in the season, when you get to, like, playoffs or whatever and guys' minutes are up, it really won't become a factor um, because guys will play a lot more minutes. But, I mean, I think you can stagger them well. I mean – um, you you see it, you see it with a lot of teams. Um, you know, just to use an example of you know, like uh, when Kawhi uh, Leonard is healthy, like him and Paul George, you know, they'll they'll sit one for a little bit and do it other. Same thing with Clay and Steph, do it all the time. You know, Steph will play out the whole first quarter. Clay will come out with five minutes left. You know, so they do these kind of things, and so um, it's not abnormal for a lot of teams to do it. And I don't think it makes them um, you know, any worse. And then you know, you get them together for the start of the game, the end of the, the end of each uh, half. So I, I think they'll be fine. And, and, you know, I think like Randy's saying, I think it gives Bain an opportunity to not only flourish, but to get other guys involved. Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously there's still a couple pieces that are going to be coming back. They'll be at full strength. Um, I do want to go back to one thing before we move on, Randy. Talk about Dylan Brooks and trading him. Well, if that's the case, then then what are we trading him for? 
you're going to have to match up some money. So you probably are going to have to find, you know, expiring contracts aren't used the way they used to be used to shed cap room. That's not really how it works anymore. Um, but if you could find, you know, somebody with an expiring deal and really what the Grizzlies are going to try to do is flip it to some draft picks. That's what they want. Right. Um, so you also want to free up some space. Dylan's getting paid the bag and you're about to have to pay. So you, you got Brandon Clark on the, on there. You got John Morant. He's locked up. Steven Adams is locked up. Although I'm not really sure that's a great deal. Um, so, but you're still going to have to go with Desmond Bain. Jaron's already locked up, but Desmond's fixing to get a lot more money than people thought he would going into last year. So I think you get Dylan off now, but if you listen to the guys on the court talk, they don't, they love that dude. Desmond Bain was the first person to your point that we don't win this game without Dylan doing what he does. It's, it's, it's so it's tough, man. So I don't know who you get. I don't think you go get a guy that has the upside of Dylan Brooks. I don't think that exists. Um, I think, I think your issue, Randy, uh, obviously they, they do, they have different skill sets, but I think his issue has been your issue that you've had all along with Russ. Yeah, he does all the great things, but makes really bad mistakes in really bad situations and bad moments. And so is it worth it in the end? And you've always said that you don't think Russ is worth it. And I think you feel the same way about Dylan Brooks. Yeah, he does all these great things, but you don't want the guy who's going to cost you at the end of a game. True, but the Dylan Brooks is worth a flyer because you're paying him 10 million, not 50. True. That yeah. that's the problem. You could take a you could take a risk with Dylan and not, not handicap your future. Um, which is I, really what the Grizzlies did. I, I was hesitant to uh if I was gonna bring this up. Uh but you know what? Well, let me ask you straight up, because he ain't playing tonight and they're three for fifteen from downtown and look like absolute crap. So you can't blame him. Can we call it what it is? Are the Lakers the worst team in the NBA? They're so they're a dumpster fire, but I think if they make some moves, they wouldn't be. They had a trade on the table today that I heard Gary Pierce talking about where Buddy healed. I think that instantly makes the Lakers better. And at this point, I'm not even – I'm not dogging Russ. I'm saying it's so toxic, you got to yeah. get that situation well, it's out not, of it's not even. It's not even just the, the toxic part. Um, I thought, you know, uh, listening to Greeny the other day, they were talking about if you watch the style of Lakers to play, play, you're asking Russ to do everything he's not good at. So you are automatically just setting him up for success. You're talking about half-court sets, um, being a jump shooter, and playing defense. These are the things that he's never been great at. Um, he wants to run out and transition. So, I mean, not only are you talking about just the toxicity, but you're asking a guy to do something that he's never going to be good at, he's never been good at. So to your point about Buddy Hill, I mean, you got to find somebody to shoot But all these guys, you know, the thing about it is, man, uh, you know, you talk about just Buddy, you need – you need multiple guys. None of these dudes can shoot. I like I've watched every game so far, and I'm watching it right now. I mean, this is this is the most atrocious three point shooting team in an era where you have to be able to make threes. I, yeah, I think with with them, any new face would be helpful. I think it's so bad right now. They just need something to refresh it just a little bit. It, it could be not a, a anybody or a piece that's going to help, but I think having a different culture, a different vibe in the locker room would probably do some good. Might refresh them a little bit and get reset things and, and, and get them turned around. But as of right now, they, they are not a good basketball team. And well, and I sent and I sent y'all and I sent y'all a message in uh, you know, the clip. You know, Charles Barkley was talking about it, and I just want to talk about it from a Russ standpoint for a second. 
you know, he was talking about he wasn't playing with the passion and enthusiasm that he normally does. And that was actually the night where he had the really good game where, where you could argue that he was the best player for the Lakers. And Shaq was like, look at his stat line. He was great. And he goes, no, that's not what I'm talking about. And so I had sent y'all the clip and I talked about it. And he threw down that dunk, you know, like he used to do, you know, it showed me that he still has athleticism. And he didn't pound his chest and he didn't stomp his feet and he didn't yell or do anything he did. He just casually jogged down the court like he didn't even care. And that's Is he not playing tonight? I'm watching. No, I don't he's just, that's what I'm saying. He's in street clothes. So there's no blame that can be put on the shooting performance that I'm watching. Um, that, that was the point I was making. This team is just trash all the way around, whether it's Russ or not. That's your point about having to get somebody else. And then, he, like, you did good by saying it wasn't just about Russ. It's somebody else has got to come in there. But, um, you know, when he's not even getting excited, you know, getting, you know, the typical stuff, he's not even arguing and fighting with anybody on the floor. Like he's just out there literally going through the motions. He's not enjoying basketball. And that makes me sad. And it makes me just, I wish he didn't even play. He, he might feel that way too. He, lo- he looks at right now. He lo- He's just sitting in a hoodie and jeans on the sideline, not giving the two shits. Well, it, here's the good news guys is that, you know, very early in the season, and there's a lot that could happen. And, and hopefully, Jim, for your team's sake, uh, I hope. I don't care if he goes to a team and they have the the worst record still. I just want him to have fun playing basketball like he used to. That's all I want. I mean, send him back to OKC. That's who's, that's what I wish for him and him and Bruce Jay. Brown. <laughs> what? My man yeah. is just doing work. Um, I want I want him and him and Shay uh Shay uh Gilchrist Alexander to just go there and be a, a two-man show that's not good enough to win anything, but at least give you entertainment value in OKC. Hold up, man. For real talk. Do y'all ever heard of a guy named Bruce Brown? I just had to look this up. He's killing the Lakers right now. He is he came out of Miami. He was a second round pick, the 42nd pick in the second round. He's 26 years old. And this boy is putting buckets on the Lakers right Six now. Six for eight, four for five it's, from downtown. I see it. It's it's Bruce Bowen in disguise. Yeah. This is my younger brother, Bruce Brown. That's crazy. Crazy. Well, moving on. I hope Jim. the Lakers are watching trying to get that guy. Yeah, for real. So, <laughs> so Jim, we'll, we'll go from a down point to a high point. Obviously, with college football, LSU, I mean, really just – you know, outside of the first quarter, which I'm sure, you know, through text, like, Randy. I, Randy taught I, me off the ledge. No, I, I, I feel like the world was about to end in the first quarter. And then all of a sudden, you know, Randy's just, you know, hey, man, it's, it's early. Well, like, well, it was they, just, they just need to stop here or they just need to score here. Boom. And the reason, but the reason was is it looked very – and Randy can agree with this. Did it not look almost identical to the way the Tennessee game was going? Not minus, minus the fumble kickoff, but the way they marched down the field so fast multiple times and the defense couldn't even get set up before the offense was running a play. And I was like, here we go. This is Tennessee all over again. Here's, the, the, here's why I was not worried about it, though, because Ole Miss, they sprinkle that in when they start the game. Nobody in the country does it for 60 minutes like Tennessee does. So that's why LSU never could catch up in the Tennessee game. But Ole Miss had clearly their first two drives were scripted, and they weren't beautiful. But I knew that their defense, if you did get – I've been a Jaden – I've been on his side all year long. And I understood what you meant about not reading coverage, but I felt like that was a lot more on the coaches than it was on him. 
because they were not putting him in positions to succeed. And you've seen it now, even in the Tennessee game, he was actually pretty good. And in Florida, he's been really good against Ole Miss. He was really good. If he can be this guy that can run and he can throw the ball because he's got stupid talent at, at receiver at not just Butte either. I'm talking like he's got a lot of freaking talent. I think LSU. Yeah, yeah, na- yeah neighbors and Jenkins. Jenkins, are Taylor, neighbors. All yeah, those Jenkins is like can, third in the SEC play. in touchdown pat- catches. So uh, what I'm saying is, and I've said this on the SEC live that I just did too, to call, and I said it five weeks ago, to call L- what LSU and Brian Kelly inherited a rebuild is a disservice to that roster because it's still the third most talented roster in the SEC by every recruiting ranking known to man. So it's not like Brian Kelly got a bare cupboard and not like it because I'm saying this because of Tennessee, but Josh Heupel, that dude got a bare cupboard. Like that's, I think what Brian Kelly has access to is exactly why he is where he is. But I will, I got a little beef with you, though, dog. My man, after that big win, you win in the big, you beat Ole Miss like you always do. Not only do you, your fans rush the field, I know you're upset about that. That's not where I'm going. Brian Kelly says, you know, we were a lot closer in that Tennessee game than the score looked. Jim, <laughs> I got to ask you, you were there, man. Did, was it closer than it looked? Bruh, I went and found the buffet line so I could stop watching. I, I It was never close. It was never fun. It, uh, that man's lying to himself because he's feeling good this week. There, there, was, there was never one second in that and game, that- Randy. And that's the Brian Kelly that we know, right? <laughs> but but but, <laughs> I'll, but I'll say this: I got I got to address. I wasn't even going to, but since he did it, I, I was reading. This is horrible, and, and this is why I text you guys talking about we've endured two really bad seasons. Oh, is that all? Two bad? Se- You're three years removed from maybe the greatest college football team ever. Two bad seasons. Tennessee rushed the field because they had lost 15 straight to Alabama. What are we talking about? It's not even the same category. You see teams rush the field because they've never beaten a top 10 team before type stuff, like, you know, all the time, like, you know, uh, mid-majors and whatnot. Like, a team like LSU has got three national championships in this century. Like, you don't rush the field, especially, especially for a team that you own the series on and make seven straight wins in your house. That's just degrading. And you cost your school $250,000 and people say, oh, they got For the third offense. I know. And you, and you know what the crazy part is, Randy, it obviously goes up every time, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Let's, just, let's just say hypothetically, you know, obviously I know Alabama's Alabama and they're 14 and a half points here. But if they win Alabama, if these dudes rush for Ole Miss, you know they're going to for Alabama. So what's the fine? Does it go up to half a mil? I, I, I bet. what You know what? I guarantee you it doesn't matter what it is. They're still going to do it. And I would too. Yep. Damn Alabama! But that's Alabama. But that's Alabama. It doesn't look. It doesn't look and feel as cool now that you done did no. it to Ole Miss. No, you can't but, let them. Now you got to have event staff at every corner. You can't rush yeah. the field anymore. You know, it, it just it's kind of fitting though. I mean, Brian Kelly, they they don't know how to act because he's never beat a ranked team before. Because we all know what Notre Dame does when they actually play somebody. <laughs> yeah. Not ever. No, to Jim's credit, though, I mean, are they really a ranked team? I mean, are they? I mean, Uh, yeah, I I took I took a lot of heat though for uh, saying Ole Miss was overranked and that that I thought LSU would would win because they own the series. And yes, I did in the first quarter um, start to get stressed out, but nonetheless, they won by twenty five, and it appears that that what I said was true. I will bring this up since it's not on the slate this week; it's two weeks from now. Um, I was reading something that I didn't think about, boys. 
one of the most interesting matchups about Alabama LSU that nobody's even probably thinking about is going to be Elias Ricks covering Kayshawn Boutte. Because remember, my man bounced on Baton Rouge. He is a native of Baton Rouge, and he now plays for Bama, and he's going to be lined up against his, his former teammate. That's going to be one to watch. Well, he was lined up across from Jalen Hyatt, too. <laughs> you know what the biggest problem with LSU playing Alabama in two weeks? Hmm. It won't be the best game on. It, it is that is semifinal weekend though if you think about it because it's both it's the top two teams in each division who prob who should both be tied going into that game. Well, and yeah. and and the thing I, is, I don't think Tennessee. Honestly, I don't think Tennessee even has to beat Georgia. I, I don't think, think so. Either. I think they they might be better. I don't know, but but what I'm they might I'm be so better off not not beating them. I see what you're saying because they can lose to Georgia and then Georgia goes to the championship game. Tennessee doesn't have to play that and they don't lose and they're sitting at four. Bam, you're in. Yep. But, but what I love is, you know, obviously, you know, I wanted the game at night, but one of the reasons isn't because of the atmosphere, but it's because of the tailgate. And so I can already tell you, you know, because we've, I've already been setting it up with the guys and, we're going to be sitting there watching an electric football game while eating and drinking good. And so I couldn't ask for better than watching Tennessee, Georgia, while we're sitting there doing that. So man, that that's the atmosphere that I'm down for. Hey, can I, can I, can I say something about that real quick? I, I got some real beef, man. You know, I've been watching it on Twitter and I've been doing all the, I saw so many fans of Georgia and Tennessee saying, how do we not get the primetime game? Do people not understand that CBS two thirty is the, that's it primetime game that is primetime it draws double no matter what the matchup is it draws double of what an espn night game and I, now 100% lsu wants a night game and i know why and I, i'm all for it well and and and, and 230 but here's the reason why lsu lsu was going to get it because they haven't been given it yet all their sec games were not given tonight because remember i thought tennessee might get it i thought yeah. old miss might get it so i mean they they had to get it at some point no, I agree. I just think that people that don't understand that two see first of all, it goes in rankings. CBS gets first pick because they pay the most. Period. ESPN gets like the second pick. SEC, obviously, they own the SEC network. But anyways, two thirty. Even though we all hate Gary Danielson, I think we can all agree that. I think that's the reason why nobody wants that game. If we're being honest, they well, don't. Want I'm to just Gary. glad that it's not the Alabama game because that guy has <laughs> got to be an Alabama graduate. He uh -huh. has to be. But that's why, look, that's why that one penalty call was so bad, the one where they, they called the pass interference that wasn't. When he said that he thought that that was the actual pass interference on Alabama, like I was shell-shocked. I was like, did he just say that they got the call wrong and that should have been on Alabama? Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. Y'all, Who was it? Was it Vern Lundquist that was like uh, salivating over A.J. McCarron's <laughs> girlfriend on the, in the natty? Oh. oh, his girlfriend, there she is. <laughs> but uh oh, man. but i'll but i'll end this on the lsu note um and, and randy was right you know Jaden daniels has uh has definitely improved jay ness gonna try to like I, I like i'm now on board gonna try to shoot it down and talk about what he's seen at arizona state don't be fooled like but i definitely feel like this team um you know if you would have asked me a couple weeks ago obviously i told you you would have lost to alabama by 50 um, I don't know if we're going to beat them or not, but I know that it is going to be an interesting game now. Well, I agree. speaking of interesting games, Tennessee taking on UT Martin. It was 
interesting until it, until it started. So, I mean, Tennessee came out. They, you know, did what they were supposed to do. And, you know, they're coming off a big win of Alabama the next game out. They didn't have a letdown. There wasn't anything, you know, too noteworthy to to, to write home about. But it, it, a win is a win. Um, no, setting them up would... for an off week. Or, I'm sorry, they set them up for Kentucky. And then they got Alabama. So, um, you know. This is the game, you know, and we'll get into it, I guess, in a minute. But I feel like this is a game where they should win and they should win big, but it could also pull them in a different direction. Daniel, I'll tell you, there was something that was accomplished in that game, no matter who it was they're playing. They are making sure and solidifying that Jalen Hyatt gets the Blitnikoff Award. Let's not get it mistaken. That is true. He had another 173 yards, like on seven catches. And that, and I, and I say it, and everybody thinks I'm crazy, but he's not even their best receiver. Their best receiver is coming back this week in Cedric Tillman. But Jalen Hyatt has entered the Heisman. I think he's fifth right now. But maybe, I mean, he, he'd have to be the front runner for the Blitnikoff. Would he? Oh, not? for sure. Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no doubt. And and and, he, and very deserving. He is first in the SEC. He has 12, and the second guy has seven. I think. I'll tell you five of them in one game. I'll tell you the wildest thing I heard um, to connect these guys to NFL. They were talking about the Buccaneers on the radio and they were talking about, you know, they ought to look at at the late in the first round draft in Hendon Hooker, you know, and I thought, who the hell thinks Hendon Hooker is going to be there in the late first round? That is where everybody has him. He was a fourth rounder up until before the how how many times over LSU Andy, game we seen these guys they say are gonna be late first round and then they end up going in the top ten, end up being like yeah. four quarterbacks going to top ten. No, I agree. I think to to back to what you were saying, DB, the the hangover game that I was worried about, not that I ever thought they were gonna lose to UT Martin, but if you come out against UT Martin and don't look dominant. Um, then that could be a bit of a hangover going into Kentucky. Then all of a sudden you're not running at the same octane you were in the Alabama game. So not only did they put up more points, they scored 52 by half, which is what they scored in the whole Alabama game. And then in the second half, it's a perfect scenario. You, you put up 600 yards of offense, literally. Um, you get all of your reserves to play in the second half. And it gave a, a college coach the perfect avenue to not be happy with the second half performance because they gave up, I think, 17 points in the second half. So he gets to keep grinding on them to get better, be better, see you're not unbeatable going into Kentucky. And this is strength on strength, right? You have the best offense in the nation, and that's not opinion. It's just statistical is what I'm saying, against one of the – it's the third best defense in the SEC. Um, as far as a matchup goes, I actually think that this is a nightmare matchup for Kentucky. And I say that because a lot of what I'm seeing is that they want to keep the ball away from Tennessee, and they did that last year, that strategy. And Tennessee held the ball for less than 14 minutes and put up 45 points. <laughs> Nobody in the free world thinks that Tennessee's not better this year than they were last year. So I don't think that's a good strategy. And then the other one was, well, Kentucky can get into a track meet. Huh? They average 26 points a game. Tennessee averages 51. Y'all know I try to I try to, you know, show the love to Will Lovers. He ain't getting in a track meet with nobody. You don't want to get into a track meet with Tennessee. And I think that we saw Alabama do that and it didn't work. You you can score on Tennessee, I, no doubt. But to get into a track meet with them is just as a recipe for disaster. For one, if you look at the pace of play, Will Levis and Kentucky have the third to last 
pace as far as plays per game in the SEC. Tennessee's so far ahead in front that they're going to wear that defense down. Kentucky's defense is good. They're secondary specifically. They're really good. But that pace, it's just – it. That, that, I mean, yeah. you saw it against LSU. They got that's that's what talent. I was saying. That was what I was saying. The LSU one was killing me. The defensive linemen weren't even getting back up to the line. Y'all already snapping the damn ball. Yeah. So, so to your point, DB, I think that what they have to really guard themselves for is not looking ahead to Georgia because it's easy to get that on your mind that we have national championship aspirations. You can't get there without being Georgia, but you can't get there without being Kentucky either. This is a home game. Um, I think Hypo understands the importance of it. That's why they're rolling out the black jerseys again, which, by the way, my goodness, that thing I mean, looks it's, – it's unbelievable. Between the grays and the blacks, I mean, Tennessee, oh, baseball and football, they're just, killing I mean, it. They, they got it on lock. Yeah, yeah what, what, dark mode. What you, what you don't want is to have to turn around in two weeks and it be a do-or-die must-win against Georgia. That is a recipe for disaster. So what I think, this is my prediction. I think Tennessee comes out, puts up 21 points in the first quarter, and runs away with this thing. I'm going to say final score 48 to 20. I can get down with that. 48 to 20. Hey, I'm down with that. You know what I'm not down with? Uh, Four and four record, two and three in the American Conference. Losing to Tulane, uh, having to score, you know, no points in the first half and then make up 35 in the second. And guys, I, I'm I'm struggling to to find anything good. I mean, all the way around the Tigers were bad. I mean, um, despite the second half, you know, only giving up three points. Um you know, Seth Hennigan was 26 of 41, 67. I mean, 67.3 QBR rating. That's just not very good. Um, my biggest gripe is that they've got 12 different receivers with catches. And that's great if you're, if you're scoring, but they're not scoring. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable to me to, spread the ball out to so many guys and nobody's doing much of anything. Um, seems like Eddie Lewis is, is in pre-scorner or their top two receivers or top two most consistent receivers. Um, you know, and then the, the running situation is the same thing. Um, oh, just a, a plethora of backs rolling out there. So I, I'm, I'm confused, but what I do know, Jim, is that Ryan Silverfield has a very, very important month of football coming up. Um, these final games are going to either solidify his job or not. Um, and I think he's got to win at least two of them. And I'm not sure that that's going to happen. That's what I Can was Can I ask you a question before say. you? Yeah, no, that's all I was going to say. I'll let you do your old bit. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I don't think that they, with what I'm seeing right now, they'll win two of them. DB, do yeah. you have, if you're Ryan Silverfield, I know he's a loyal guy, but you got to do, you got to address special teams, man. You, you were down three scores before you ever got yep. your offense in motion. Yep. And it's, um, you know, 
special teams all the way around has not not been good. And I think so part of that is is we've been that's the one area that you know crazily like we've been exceptional at. We've had really dynamic kick returners. We've had really good kickers. So to not have that, even though our kicking game this year is a lot better than it was last year, it's still it's it's not it's i know i try not to go man it's just not the same as it was but it's not like you know i i I want the bar of expectation to be set at a certain level and i feel like it was set at a level for a while and now we've just moved the bar because we say well we've got a new guy but you know six six wins a season being bowl eligible playing in the you know sharper image you know whatever trash ball bowl that doesn't mean anything like that's not good enough and i'm and maybe i'm maybe i'm just being like a over a overzealous fan but i i feel like at some point you gotta not be okay with that I, th- I mean, I, I think I don't think you're wrong at all. I mean, we we talked to Hennigan before this season. We knew what the expectations were, and I get it. You know, he's a player, whatever. But you know, and so he's going to obviously say they expect to do big things. But you know, it we we didn't say that they were going to win. You know, the American. That's never what we said. But we we were looking. You know what? Hopefully seven was the floor, right? Right. And and now like you you just hoping and praying you get there, like like you know, it's it's no, it's it's a bad season. And honestly, let me ask you a real question, Daniel. I know you said you didn't think Silverfield would get fired this year, but in some way, do you kind of hope that this thing just continues to go downhill and then he's gone? No, of course not. I mean I because it's never a fun transition that first year with a new coach. Like even you at LSU, like you're not convinced of the season that you could have, even with the players that are there, you know, imagine that on a much smaller, like talent level. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's not fun to have that transition. And plus that transition if it's done the same way it was with the Silverfield hire, how excited are people going to be about that? They're not, you know? So I, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I mean, do you, I guess the question is, do you think that they can win under Silverfield? So here's when, when I think about this season, they were really, they, they should have beat Houston and they should have beat, they, they had an opportunity to beat ECU. So I mean, they're you should kill ECU. You should, yes. But but what I'm saying is, is like they're gonna look back on the season and let's say they, let's say they go six and six and they're bowl eligible and they play in the sharper image, you know, whatever trash ball ball. Like they're gonna go back and look at those two games and go, oh man, we could have been, you know, an eight win team had we just. But are you gonna do that? We were one play better. But are you gonna do that every year because Morris Joseph? Quindell and Seth all came in talking about last season and how that was the case. So you, I mean, you can't just go back every year and say, well, if we would have had two or three things go differently in these three games, we would, I mean, 
that only works for so long. Yeah, um, I think if he if 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 you can beat UCF at home for homecoming, and then you can play Tulsa, which and, and beat them, which we notoriously another team like ECU that we don't play that well. Um, then you got North Alabama, and I, you, if if you don't win that game, he well, needs to be fired. The, the no good news what, about but. the UCF thing, right, um, is obviously UCF's got Cincinnati this weekend, and you're on a bye week, so you got an extra week to prepare, and they got a hard ass game in front of them. True, true, um, but yeah, I mean, three and one. Uh, yeah, I think three and one would be great over the next four. But I think realistically, I, I think it's going to be one and three. And I, I think that might be enough to do it, but I don't know. I don't think you do it, and this is why. And you don't do it unless you 100% absolutely know you can get X. And I, for all these people that say, go get Hugh Freeze, like, be realistic. The dude's making $7 million a year. Like, be realistic with your expectations because – you didn't get Fuente like that. You didn't get Norvell like that. That's not you're not you're not them. And I don't mean that in any disparaging way. I mean Tennessee doesn't pay Josh Heupel seven million dollars a year. Liberty is paying him crazy amounts of money. So you're not getting that guy. You're not yeah. getting Gus Malzahn. He's getting UCF. It's to just being honest. That's not a better Memphis is not a better job than UCF. No. And, and, and he's, obviously he's with holding the, he's holding on to move on to a power a power five conference. Like and, that's and that's the thing with the conference realignment, and obviously we know where Memphis is gonna end up, you know, standing and they're not gonna be one of those teams. It's not an attractive job, I guess you. Yeah, so I just don't know who you gotta find you're gonna Memphis is never gonna be excited about it until there's something to be excited about because Nobody was excited when they hired Justin Fuente. Let's call it like it is. Revisionist history. Nobody was excited when they hired Mike Norvell. Everybody kept saying, why would they hire a co-offensive coordinator? All of a sudden, he's a stud. Now he's a head coach at Florida State. I mean, he might get fired, but, you know, it's fine. He's making a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I I think you're right. I think there's a couple of things working against them. One is, you know, where they're located and, and how they have to recruit. And for a new person to come in, like that's that's a tough ask. Um, also, it's they're not changing conferences. So one of these up and coming coaches, what is the the benefit? What's like barbecue? I mean, you're gonna have to be a guy, and that's the that's the downside. Of it. You're a you're gonna be a guy that's gonna be like a Fuente and a Norvell. That the first time they do get their perceived dream offer they're gonna move on you have to do you gotta reinvent yourself and you don't need this whole thing silverfield is so pastner-esque like and the fact that he was yep. kind of like the last dog at the bowl and that's just who you had to take i don't i think they went away from their their blueprint in football when they hired what's, you know silverfield what, what's scott frost doing <laughs> well so i mean getting paid a lot of money to yeah. coach nebraska i you know, I, I think that that hire with Silverfield was we don't want to rock the boat too much. We just came off a Cotton Bowl berth, and, like, we need to just have some, like, just normalcy within the program. Yeah, some continuity, and the players were vouching for him, and, and I get all that. And if you really look at it, DB, and I know you probably know this, Silverfield is actually recruiting better than Norvell and Fuente ever did. So that – doesn't matter 
at at Memphis. It just give me scheme over that all day where you're at. Yep, it's got to be, got to be. All right, guys, let's uh let's go back and let's 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 talk. no let's just skip pickles. No, 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 no. no. That that wouldn't let's be chat. Good. Let's let's go through this. All right, so last week's games: LSU, Old Miss, Jim. You're the only one that got a point. You I picked think that LSU. might be the only point I got. I'm out. Um, you know, we'll we'll see here. You uh then then you decided you wanted to go with the Qs, and you were looking good. Really, uh, they should have won that game. Um, kind of gave it away doing some some bonehead stuff. Okay, but... I th- I thought of, and, and we're not going to get deep into it, but I think I may have texted you this. It was the whole Memphis thing, right? Um, that you talked about, like. So what's working in the first half, you keep doing the second half, but at what point do you make adjustments? Syracuse did exactly that. They did whatever they wanted in the first half. In the second half, it wasn't working at all. They they pumped five straight drives, and they kept trying to do what they were doing originally. And it's like, at what point are you going to realize it's not working anymore? Yep. Switch it up. And they did. So they lost. Jim, you didn't get a point. Randy and I did. We took Clemson. Jim, you stuck with, uh, you know, UCLA, um, they got just owned, which <laughs> I, I didn't know they were going to get that beat, beat that bad, but they did. Uh, Randy and I got points. We both took Oregon. Jim, this is the trend here. Uh, you took Texas and Oklahoma State took that. Randy and I got points for that because we're men and we're 40. So there you go. Uh, we all got points for Alabama. Uh, and Jim, you and Randy got points for TCU. I took K-State. K-State was looking good for a little bit. Kind of shit it away. But, oh, man. So, in college picks this week, it's uh, it, it, it wasn't very good. Randy increased his lead. Yeah, That's all it, I know. Yeah, Jim, you got three points. Randy, you took home five points for last week. I took home four. Uh, that makes our total for college. Randy, you're sitting in first with 29. Jim, you and I are tied second and third with 24. So we're we're slowly falling back. If if we don't have Randy on next week, and can we just make him 0 for six and try to get a week back and get some points? I mean, oh, I'll get my picks in, player. He, 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 <laughs> I will no avoid way. the text. I never saw it. Your picks never came through. Yeah, he'll he'll be like, I just, I just, I don't care about anything else, but here's my picks. Yeah, I, don't send me the rundown, DB. Here's my picks. <laughs> All right, so that puts us in, in in a good spot. We get to do some more picks. We got some ground to make up, Jim. So, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about these games. All right. So, let me grab my handy dandy notes here. I think Randy should have to go first every time. You think with the with the, with the lead like this, we need to know what we're looking at, and if we want to go opposite. All right. So first game, Ohio State, Penn State. Randy, who Ohio you take? Ohio State, easy. Jim, who you take? Shit. Uh, I just, I mean, I can't fall. I mean, it can't get any worse. I just want to gain ground. Give me Penn State. I mean, it could get worse, and it's about to. <laughs> oh, man, that, that puts me in a, in a predicament here. Here's the only plus side to, to that pick, Jim. They're playing in Penn State. Penn State's coming off of 
a loss to pretty good team. They, I don't know. Come on. Use your brain here, boys. I mean, I, I know. How much money thinking. have y'all won on Ohio State? I, I'm I'm picking well, none Ohio because State. Wisconsin, trying, not none because of Wisconsin. Well, yeah, that's very true. Fuck Wisconsin. There, I said it. Now you can put the explicit lyric sign next to this podcast. Now. All right. So next game, Notre Dame at Syracuse. I'm taking. I'm taking the Cuse. Give me Syracuse, even though they they. I don't know about them dudes after the second half last week. Jim, who are you taking? Go ahead, Randy. Nah, player. I'm just waiting. Just waiting. All right. I want Notre Dame. Give me the cues. I knew he was going to take cues. That's why I went there. But I I'm not saying. picking Notre Dame. I don't give a fudge who they're playing. <laughs> Tennessee, Kentucky. I think we all know where Randy's going. Damn, yeah, that's the game he that's the game he goes first on. Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm taking Tennessee now. So now the the here here's here it comes down to you, Jim. What are, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna not a, not a chance in hell, Tennessee? <laughs> They're only a 12 point favorite now. I don't want to point uh, I don't want to try to gain a point that bad. <laughs> All right. Oklahoma State, Kansas State. You know, I'm kind of surprised at this line. I'm taking I'm taking I I know it's gonna happen again, but give me Oklahoma State. I am with you, but I can't believe they're underdogs. That's crazy. Yeah, give me Oklahoma State. Kansas State. Dang. Jim, this I know something's gonna happen. I know we say it every week. It's either going to go one way or the other. You're either going to be right back in it, or you're going to be just that much further away. Uh, Cincinnati, UCF. Jim, who are you taking? Cincinnati. Randy, who are you taking? Central Florida. Home game. They're a better team. You think so? No, I don't think they're better, but they are at home, and <laughs> I'm taking them. Uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati. Is Old now Miss. a good time to tell y'all that Cincinnati's starting quarterbacks out, or should I just have waited? Or <laughs> no, I'll just get. I'll just mess with y'all, man. I'm just playing. Just oh, play. Ole Miss, Texas A&M. Dude, I'm I good. was. I, I literally believed you, and I was like, "What a motherfucker, dude!" I'm, I'm gonna take Ole Miss. I think they're gonna bounce back. I don't think Texas A&M is that good. They're struggling. I actually hate this matchup for Ole Miss because you're coming off of a heartbreaking just blow out, dominate second half. And A&M, even though they're really bad, this is the type of game they win. I just, man. I'm going to go Ole Miss. That way Jim can pick opposite. Jim? I hate it. You know, we had an Ole Miss guest tonight, but give me Texas A&M. Wow. Here we go. I'm going to go backwards for here, it or game here, for it. Here lies Jim. <laughs> He, you know, he he put up a valiant effort. He shot his shot, but it just you know you know what the worst part is. We got to do NFL next, and I think I might have done worse in the NFL. Like, now I don't even think I know I did worse in the NFL. We going I'm on. I'm on. Oh, guys, you. I got I got breaking news for you in this Lakers game. 
if I told you somebody was injured and Anthony Davis, yep. Anthony Davis, yeah, of course, probably something to do with his hand or his no, wrist. he's holding he's holding his back and leaned over and hobbling. I mean, that's a lot. That's that's a lot of back. <laughs> it show sure is. So. All right, NFL. Let's get there. Cowboys. Uh, I'll start with them. Obviously, recapping that game wasn't really a. It, it was good. Dak was back. You could tell there was some rust. Knocked some of that off. I mean, won the game. Did what they needed to do. Got him um, some work in, and and didn't look great necessarily at anything. But you know, Ezekiel Elliott gets hurt. He's out. Um, you know, I think that that'll be fine. I think Tony Pollard's now gonna put put together his resume for why he should be getting more carries or the bulk of the carries. Um, even though that, you know, I, I don't think Zeke was that bad, but I mean, they definitely have transitioned away from the workload that he's had in years, years previous, but um, nothing really, you know, to write home about glad to see Dak back out there. Glad they were able to, you know, get, get him some time, get him some rep, but, you know, inevitably win the game because, um, He's going to have to get back up to speed, and he's going to have to do it pretty darn fast. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the you brought up Zeke. Hey, Randy, um, note for you. I know we're talking about the Cowboys, but I'm going to need uh, – I'm, I'm right now doing it because I'm thinking about it. Taking Zeke out the lineup because he's got the grade two MCL spring, which means in the flex goes Michael Pittman Jr. Do your job. He's That's been – pretty good he has been i'm just making sure you but he know. ain't gonna have matt ryan throwing him the ball i don't care who he has to kiss ball i'm just saying well whoever it is that'll be the guy for the rest of the season because i i don't think matt ryan i don't think matt ryan is gonna be a colt again i don't think he's gonna be a quarterback for the colts ever again yeah i so, hate it for him hey tough tough road but Jim, Saints recap. Tell us, what did you learn from last week? I learned that this week was not on the referees one bit, guys. I don't even have to talk about them. Wait a minute. Uh, wait, wait. Make sure we mark this day down in history and off the bench history. Jim does not blame anything on the refs for the Saints debacle against Arizona. Now. I blame Jay Ness. Before, <laughs> before, before I start on the red rifle, I want to address Pete Carmichael, Dennis Allen, whoever, whoever was making these decisions. Um, I assume Carmichael. Um, I was noticing as I wasn't crazy in reading Twitter, and I thought to myself, we're inside the 10, second, second goal. You know, okay, the first down carry you gave to Ingram. That's cool. Second down, Taysom and Kamara aren't in the game. Okay. Third down came, Taysom and Kamara aren't in the game. What the are we doing? And then he throws a pick. All right. Then the next time down, they do the exact same thing. Kamara, how do you get inside the 10 and neither of the most dominant runners on your team aren't on the field and you're handing the ball to Mark Ingram or trusted Dalton to throw, so they end up settling for a field goal. So, 
the play calling is atrocious. How you don't get it in your two best playmakers' hands is beyond me. But then let's just talk about the real reason why they lost. It's 14-14. We got a fantastic football game going on. And my man throws back-to-back interception pick sixes. Question, Randy. Trivia. Who's the last guy to do that? I actually think you might know. That's why I asked you. Is it Carson Wentz? No. Mm. It's magic. That makes sense. But that makes that's sense. Why, that's why I thought you might, might have a chance. To I love actually should have asked Daniel magic. because it was actually at Tampa around. Then he turned around and threw five touchdowns. Yeah, I love I love Ron Well, well and, 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 and to Dalton's credit, I mean, he did do a lot of good second half, but it didn't matter. You you gave them 14 points in 30 seconds. And the thing was, Arizona had just scored. We got the ball back. They scored 21, or no, they got a two-point conversion. It was 22 yeah. points in three minutes, man. I was like, I mean, it was I, quick. I have never seen anything like it. And so – I don't, I don't know what Andy Dalton was doing. The, the only positive I can give you guys out of that game and it's in and Daniel's fantasy lineup is Alave is the real deal. That's about all I give you. True, true. All right, Randy, what do you got for the Colts? Nada. It's, uh, uh, it, I mean, they're just – their offense is so bad. Their offensive line is so bad. I – I hate for Matt Ryan, and, and Jim said it on here before, I have always wanted that guy to be the quarterback of my team. Then to get there and to watch that he's not protected at all, and then he's catching the blame. I mean, the guy's still third in the league in passing, and he gets benched. Now, he threw really – he threw two bad interceptions in the game. He did. But the Titans don't score an offensive touchdown. They're god-awful. They're, they suck, and we just suck a little more. I don't know what Ellinger coming in there to do. You, the, the sad part about it is – you can still win your division. You're you're a half game back. That that's but, what's crazy about both of our teams because, yeah. because the Bucks keep losing. The Saints can still win theirs. It could be worse. The Bucks look worse than the Colts. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, but we're just really bad right now. They're just a bad franchise, and I don't know. I think it's because Ursay's probably gonna clean house. He's probably gonna fire uh, Frank Reich, and I think Frank Reich's a stand up guy. Matt Ryan's a stand up guy, but Ursay's the owner. He has. Obviously, the final say so, and you're not going to just tolerate losing. You can't with the money you have in it. But I don't understand the offensive line because they had the best offensive line in the league for the last three years, and now you can't. It's the same guys, and you can't block anybody. Even Quentin Nelson gets bullied by Simmons all day, all day. If if I was to make a pick right now, I'm just I don't know how you're going to fix the quarterback situation, but gut instinct just tells me, Randy. I feel like the Colts still win the division. I don't know why. I'm just I'm, I'm I picked them preseason. I'm sticking with it. Don't ask me how, but they hey, will. I think we we uh we tank for Hendon Hooker. That's what we <laughs> that's, what you're, that's what you're looking for. And it, and if not Hendon, maybe get Bryce Young. Not just pretty pretty good constellation. Don't not Will Levis though. I don't I don't want that guy. His mayo and his coffee. Not at all. All right, guys, let's get to picks from last week i hear my mom oh. call me I'll, I'll be back yeah yeah no you need to sit down and take this medicine big dog all right so saints cardinals jim you you pick saints randy went saints i went cardinals i'm the only one that got a point how about that sounds good colts titans jim this is where you got a point you took the Titans. randy and i took the colts i don't know why i listen to randy anymore <laughs> i just that was a, a, a terrible game. 
all the way around. So, Falcons, Bengals, we all took the Bengals. We all get a point for that. Cowboys, Lions, Jim, you took the Lions. Randy and I took the boys. Both of us got points. Giants, Jags, you two guys took the Jags. I took the Giants. Giants got a point for me. They held those dudes out uh, of the goal line on the last play. So, hey, shout out to the Giants, even though not wanting them to win, but I thought, you know, I needed the point. So there's that. Chiefs, 49ers, we all took the Chiefs. We all got a point. It wasn't as bad of a week as you thought it was, Jim. You got three points total this week. Randy, you got three points. I had a good week. I got five, five big ones. So um, our rankings right now for pro football, that puts us Randy in first with 22. I have cut the distance. I'm only two back. I'm in second with 20. And Jim, you are in third with 17. If you take our college, you take our pro, and you take our baseball picks and you throw them all in there together, it's not even close. Randy is 52 points in first place. I'm in second with 45. And Jim, you are in third with 42. But as we say every week, still early, anything could happen. But in order for that thing, those things to happen, we got to make our picks for this week. First game, Thursday night game. And it's going to be referred to as um, high def quality football on amazon prime tomorrow night you've got the ravens and the bucks jim who you take oh they're both struggling man damn um you know what man bucks gotta win at some point mm. brandy who you take and that's, a good, and that's a good hedge bet, too, uh, Daniel. If the Saints do finally decide to, like, you know, win a game, then, you know. So, I will tell you all this. The Bucks do not have a single starting defensive back or corner playing. It's going to be bad. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, I'm going Ravens in an easy one. I'm, I'm going Ravens and Lin, just, playoff Lenny's getting me four touchdowns. Screw this. Well, they're gonna have to run the ball really well. Hey, which speaking of, I'm only gonna have Leonard Fournette on my team for one more week, Randy. I'm gonna tell you something because Man. our because our group oh. because our group chat doesn't listen to this uh to this podcast. There was a bullshit trade made today where the best team got absolutely even better. He now has managed to trade with the bottom two teams to acquire Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson to go along with Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor on his team. It is mm. such bullshit. So if they don't have I veto? Do, no, the, unless they believe there's collusion, they don't veto trades. So I text Daniel this morning and I said, hey, if I lose this week, which will put me in a really rough spot to, to make the playoffs, I mean, still – Still got plenty of time to do it, but I just don't. I won't like where I'm at. I'm going to trade him Hopkins and Fournette for like Chris Olave, and we're going to call it a fucking day. And then when they say something, be like, "What? I feel like it's a fair trade. He's my favorite saint." I'll, <laughs> I'll give you Kirk Cousins because I know 
I've been trying to give you him for a while, and I know you need him. But Daniel sitting, Daniel sitting in the four spot. He's sitting in a comfortable spot, and in order for him to be able to to mess with this juggernaut, I'm gonna just have to start dropping in players, and I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna do it. Jim said, "I don't give a fuck about you." That's right. All right, Saints Raiders. Jim, you taking your Saints? No. Do it. Do it. No, I'm gonna. Do it. I'm gonna pick the Raiders, so maybe the Saints will win. Like you're really hedging your bets. All right, who are you taking, Randy? Oh man, oh man, I'm gonna go with the Saints. I did that last week, and they really fucking let me down. Jim is uh, Lattimore playing. I don't know yet. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I thought he was coming back. He's not. We don't I, know. I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Son of a. Pick too soon. I'll stay. No. I'll stay. He, he he very well may be. I haven't looked. I just know they named Dalton to be the starter again, even though Winston's been fully cleared, which is interesting. Give me the Raiders. 49ers Rams. 49ers Rams. Give me the 49ers. Randy, who you got? I am going, you know what, this is always, they just tend to beat them, but I'm going to go with the Rams, but neither team's really that good. Yeah. Jim? 49ers. Mm, let's see. I see what we're doing here. See what's going on here. Packers, Bills. <laughs> this give is me, where give we'll me all the, go the same. Give me the Bills. Give Randy the Bills. A bye week and the Packers can't win. What are we talking about here? Give Jim the Bills. Bills all the way around. Cardinals, Vikings. This is this is an intriguing matchup. Um, I, I I don't I don't really agree with you. I think the Vi- the Vikings are good, and I think think the Cardinals are. So give me the Vikings. I say it's intriguing. You say it's not, but then you go. I think the Cardinals are good. And I no, think no, no. the Vikings are good. No, I meant the, no, I, I don't. The oh, Vikings don't. are good. The Cardinals are not. Oh, okay. So you're taking the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, they're five and one. Put some respect by Kirk Cousins' name. Well, they're four and two. They're they're four and two without the help of the refs in London against the Saints. But oh, here, 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 five and one. That's all go. I see. You know, I, I last week I I took the Cardinals, and you know what? I'm gonna take them again. Give me the Cardinals. Uh, Got to gain a game on somebody. Give me the Vikings. You said, I ain't never going to catch Randy, but I can catch that chump that's I a couple ahead of Daniel. me. Daniel. Oh, man. All right. Patriots and Jets. Jim, who are you taking? Uh, give me the Jets. Randy. Same. I'm going Jets. I don't. I listened to them talk about how the Zappy was good in the Patriots game. And the dude threw two interceptions and lost a fumble all within like 10 minutes. I don't understand what they saw. They're it it does good. suck for the Jets that they uh they've established being good and then they lose Brian Holler running back. That sucks for them. It does, but I, I think I, that defense is pretty good. Yeah. I feel like I heard them today talking to Belichick and he's like, you know, Mac Jones is still the starting quarterback. So I feel even better then. I don't know, but 
Either way, we're all taking the Jets, man. It's going to be a good week. Good week for Pickums. I'm, I'm ready, ready to continue to slide back into this. But before we get out of here, Jim, last call, anything? Yeah, um, Saturday, MMA, Attitude Fights 25. We got guest Brandon Gator going for the featherweight title. And then we got Keon Lucas, the guest from uh, two weeks ago. He'll be fighting coming on. And then just a soccer note for you guys, our girl Molly Swift out there getting the SEC Community Assist Award. So shout out, Molly. Molly, what's up? Randy, last call, anything? Yeah, man. Speaking of uh, guests, our, an MMA, our boy Jalil Willis signed a fight in December. So he will be... He will be back in action. Jaleel Willis. Jaleel the realist. Willis. Memphis, 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 Memphis. So you mean to tell me Jaleel and Eric got to fight in December? It's going down. Yeah, but, you know, Eric's Alabama. I I don't care. (laughs) Just kidding, Eric. Well, another good episode. We had uh, Ole Miss back on, on the show. Um, obviously, you know, continuing the, the baseball trend, um, got a lot of good things going on this weekend, nice slate of games. So guys looking forward to it, but more importantly, I want to thank our guests tonight, Garrett Wood for joining us. Uh, hopefully, you know, they have another amazing season when we'll bring them back. But if you like hearing Garrett's story, or you just like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, all of that is welcome. We'll see everybody next week. We've got episode 25 coming at you where we're going to talk LSU baseball with the man himself, Braden Jobert. This has been the End Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, great and dry all the time. We out.